It's like fucking you've gone to the fucking market and bought some beans, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> Welcome to Morelia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right, welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio, and tonight we are joined by Scott Iper. Uh, he is going to be talking about two of my favorite pythons. I don't know about you, Owen, but uh, diamond pythons and, uh, is, you know, imbricata, Morelia imbricata, the southwestern carpet python, whatever you want to talk, however you want to say it. <laughs> um but, um, yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to pick Scott's brain about was um, I wanted to – so he keeps them outside, and he's been sending us pictures of the temp readings there of, like, you know, we were just talking to him, and he was saying it was 10 degrees, uh, which is basically 50 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit. Um, yeah, and, and and they're out there ready cruising. To eat, right? Yeah, they're moving around, yeah. <laughs> they do so, not care, Yeah. <laughs> So I think uh, I think this will maybe help uh, maybe understand maybe the differences between well basically the diamond python is the most southern ranging python uh, in the world um, and uh, obviously it's adapted to colder temperatures um, mm -hmm. and is why it's probably a black snake for the most part. I but, keep, uh, I keep seeing that correlation where it's in the cold region they tend to be darker so you know mm. it, it's weird and you gotta. So, you kind of got to think yeah. about it. You got to forget that the further south you move in Australia, the colder it gets. It's like you can't. It's not like here, where if I go down to Florida, it's hot as hell. So right. it, yeah, I think you got to kind of. Some people have that disconnect. Yeah. So welcome, Scott. Welcome back, man. Uh, sorry we're waking you up at the crack of dawn to uh, talk with us uh, in the future. <laughs> It's not the fucking crack of dawn here, mate. It's uh, ten thirty in the morning, so it's um, oh, I've been up I see. for a few hours. But um, that's when I'm taking my lunch break, man. Sorry, the, in the morning. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I get up at four. What, what is wrong with you? Like, what is your life anyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, he, but he has three lunch breaks on, so it's oh, right. see, it pays to be the boss, Scott. You can Damn, just be like, Scott. do your shit. Yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> Mine are rigidly timed that I'm not allowed to leave my desk. Eric can it just does, lounge. It does yeah. pay to be the boss. Yeah, it see? It definitely yeah. does. Yes, this is true. Yeah, except the shit down. flies downhill. But then the problem is the shit flies downhill and the headaches that we have to deal with Alan are a little bit worse than the fucking headaches <laughs> that um, that you deal with. So <laughs> I'm in a national manager. I'm a national manager in my role and, yeah, you know, I get a phone call from my boss, and it's like, oh, you need to fix this. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> because everything that flows down from that is like, yeah, okay, if I don't get this done, I'm in the, yeah. yeah. The problems yeah, I, just get bigger as you get further up the chain. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, I he's got to deal with an entire store. He He's told me some of the stories of what he's had to deal with. They're hilarious because I didn't have to deal with them. i write a book. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be my memoirs of the yeah, supermarket. Well, <laughs> well uh, in my role, I've got, um, I'm responsible for 36 bases, and they range from the from Torres Strait Islands down to Canberra. Um, and at the moment, because we've got travel bans, it's incredibly hard to get around to all of these sites and see what the hell's going on. So um, it's a, it's, 
uh, COVID nineteen has put us in a uh, put us in a unprecedented some playing field, I suppose. So, but Interesting um, kind of anyway, thing. back to snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> Yeah, enough of that rubbish. COVID nineteen can't be screwed up. Fucking herping plans, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. What's it's, that? And you didn't get to see your. You, I didn't get to see my imbricata, and you didn't get to see rattlesnakes. I mean, this is just bullshit. Yeah, this is bullshit. This is all rubbish. Absolutely yeah. rubbish. Well, I had my. You know, we had my ten tenth wedding anniversary with Ty. That was going to be over there as well, and my fortieth birthday was going to be over there as well. So it's um. It's well and truly fucked up what I was hoping to do, but hey, it is what it is. Um, yeah, it sucks. So, yeah, let us save more money and, and all the rest of it. But, I mean, the thing is, is they, they still haven't opened up any borders, state borders, let alone international borders here. So, um, you know, I hope to hell that they, they get something sorted so I can get out and I'm going to get stir crazy. I want to get out and do some herping and <laughs> see some critters. It would be good. Yeah. <laughs> At least, I'm, at least I've got carpet snakes still standing up in the backyard, so uh, <laughs> we're still seeing some stuff here, but it's, it's not, not as nice as it could be. You get to be bought out of carpet after all. Right. Yeah, you have an own pelly to find, man. You got to keep. Yeah, up yeah dude. The, uh... <laughs> oh, our our dumbasses found it, and we were wandering you around aimlessly. Come on. <laughs> and we use Fahrenheit, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah what's that's, up with that? <laughs> Oh, well, well let's, let's clarify that. Let's clarify that. You didn't find it. Neither did uh, you. Are. Uh, Keith, Keith, Keith found, found it. it. <laughs> yeah, Keith found it. So We just happened to be... So at the end of the day, you're just right. riding on... What, what a big surprise. You're riding on Keith's fucking coattail, bro. <laughs> so, you know, but that's all right. I was right behind Keith, if that counts for anything. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Damn. No, it doesn't. Cause... Yeah, but the fact that you can only see up to Keith's fucking hips doesn't make it count anyway. Yeah, dude, it was up high. You would have never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I was getting altitude sickness, I was man. weird. Yeah, was dude. <laughs> oh. That's all right. You only got to see the fucking thing because you lost your bloody phone. So um, <laughs> you know, hey, bring one out for the clutch. Why not? Um I was taking a hit for the team. Yeah, no anyway. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I figured... Um, I still find it funny when I hear an American say, no worries, though. you can't fucking say it right. I know. It's it's just, it doesn't roll off the tongue right. It's it, just, it, yeah, it I, no, no, I like when an American it. says, mate. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't even go that far. Yeah. I, I I draw my line some places. Like, you know, it... Yeah. <laughs> you try to find the proper etiquette when you're talking to, uh, you know, to fellow Australia, and we're not fellow Fellow Australian. Australians. I'm what like, I'm already moved in. <laughs> I'm moving in, Scott. You wow, dude. <laughs> right there. Okay. Well, I did get an okay from the wife. Oh, she was like, she's like, why don't you just move there? Why don't we just move there? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she's like, we could move there. I'm like, I don't know how that works, but. <laughs> You'd have to leave all your snakes behind, all of them. Done. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> no. so, so right. uh, Hang on. I was going to say, Owen, think yeah. about this for a minute. You, it's a win-win. You get all the snakes that you want. I do. He sells the other ones. Yeah. He has enough money to buy OPs. He gets to keep Owen Pellies. And in Ricotta. And Ricotta. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we'll have sending to sending you pictures of my yeah, but then we're gonna uh, have to in my yard. Like uh, we're, we're gonna have to do it. this show like now. Like you know, he's gonna have to do it at ten a.m. his time. I'm gonna have to do it like you know eight o'clock. I, this could work. You know, as long as I'm not the one getting up, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Selfish bastard. Yeah, you're damn right. <laughs> so yeah, 
So, <laughs> Scott, you have an interesting anyway. setup for uh, these two uh, species that you keep. Um, and maybe I thought maybe we could start there. Like uh, maybe you're keeping them outside. Maybe yeah. Talk about your setup. And, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I suppose that, you know, to be honest, I didn't even want to keep the fucking thing. Um, so Ty, <laughs> Ty likes him Ricardo. Uh, I'm not a python person. I'm not going to lie. I keep a lapis. That's what I like to keep. But um, at the same time, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, some pythons I really enjoy keeping. And um, I do like the Imbricata. When Ty, we we got them from a wildlife park over in WA. when Ty said, oh, we get, I want to get Imbricata, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, what the fuck for? Let's look at the book, <laughs> carpet python. Um, when, we, when we got them, I must admit, I, I looked at them and they weren't feeding, and so I was force feeding the fucking things. And, and so they weren't doing themselves any favours and endearing themselves to me at all. Um, and uh, after a little while, I was like, oh, actually, these things aren't too bad, and you know, we we kept them inside, and we grow our snakes slowly. We don't grow them fast. Well, I hate seeing fucking snakes with pinheads on them, you know. So we we tend to grow them fairly slowly. Um, and started them off on uh, pinky mice, fuzzy mice, um, and then from fuzzy mice, as soon as they could take small rats and our eating mice, we, we could get them onto rats. We we flipped them over onto rats every now and then, and day old chicks and all the rest of it and just slowly increased food food consumption and size and then as soon as they hit about three and a half feet long we said well, we go all right let's let's get them outside we don't want to keep them inside inside is is okay but if we can keep them outside let's give them opportunity to hit uv and uh natural natural temperature cycles and stuff like that so we shifted them from our internal enclosures which are pretty big um our our standard uh, python enclosure or a lapid enclosure that's sort of an animal that's sub seven feet long is four feet long by three feet deep by two feet high. Um, they've got a, a PVC tube in one end uh, that sits about um, four inches from the top um, and then there's a tile that has heat, um, a heat cable underneath that which brings the the basking spot temperature up to about 35 degrees to 38 degrees Celsius. Um, so the snakes can, can bask on that. Or if they sit on top of the PVC tube, they can they can get radiant heat from the uh, the tile above, uh, in the enclosure above it. Um, at the other end of the enclosure, there's a large water bowl that the snake can completely soak in if it wishes to. And there's a uh, big ventilation grill. So they go down to ambient temperature. So they have a a 38 to uh, room ambience, about 24 or so, uh, but that goes up and down during the night. Um, so obviously drops down to about 14 degrees at night at the absolute minimum in winter. In summer, it drops down to about 27. Um, the room itself in summer has an air conditioner in it, so we have a reverse thermostat on that, so it runs anywhere between 27 degrees and, and 29. So as soon as it hits 29, the aircon kicks on, drops back down to 26, 27, and then it slowly warms up again and then drops back down. So um, that's how we keep most of our animals inside, but 
obviously we wanted to get them on further extremes with their temperature. So what we do when we're moving animals from inside to outside is we always send them out in spring. So the whole idea of that is so they can experience not the worst of our temperatures, but uh, it's a, a bit of a build-up. So it goes from summer and then they slowly come down through autumn and into winter. And we, you know, we're approaching winter fairly quickly now. So very cool. You guys just shut up. I don't know if I still got you or not. No, right here. I mean, it's like yeah. <laughs> It's uh, honestly, I was typing in all the stuff you were saying into the converter for Celsius to Fahrenheit, and it was like so <laughs> they can they get they get down to like fifty like fifty something like that. I'm like, oh shit, typing and typing and yeah, it it, it the temperature ranges all over the place, and they don't seem to mind it at all, which is insane to me. Um, but I love that. So, how much colder is it? In, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. No, go, go. I was going to just say, like, um, so you're you're up in uh, in Queensland. How much colder is it actually where these species are? Does it even get colder down uh, where diamond python? Oh, are? Shit, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, definitely. So, um, diamonds, well, Sydney at this time of year can can hit single figures um, it, during the night. Uh, they go down as far south as as East Gippsland. East Gippsland, this time of year, you're talking fairly low single figures, so it could be five degrees as an overall temperature. Um, At night, daytime highs at the moment down there um, would be probably sub-15 most days at the moment um, in East Gippsland, maybe getting up to 18, 19, 20 on a great day, whereas here in Queensland, most of our temperatures at the moment are... uh, High, high single figures, so eight to eight, nine degree lows at the moment. Um, daytime highs of about 24, 25. So, um, in another couple of months, we will get down to low overnight lows of down to two and three, um, and daytime highs of about four degrees. Uh, sorry, about 24 degrees. Um, so it, it gets pretty cold, but then we get the odd one that might be, you know, sub-zero, so it'll go sub... I think the coldest we had last year was negative three, I think it was. It got down to one one morning. Um, Damn. So, you know, but the cages themselves have got um, areas in the enclosure that don't hopefully don't get down to that temperature. So you've got boxes that are filled with uh, straw and, and uh, leaf litter and that those sit in, and hopefully the animals are sitting in those, so they're not physically getting down to those. You know, you're not, you're not freezing your animals. Um, but it's it's always a bit of a concern when you have really cold weather like that. And, yeah. you know, we've got other things. We've got other things besides those out sitting outside as well. Hmm. Um, right. You know, it's always a concern when you you look at the Parentes and go, Jesus, it's it's sub zero. I really hope that they're they're snuggled up and they're they're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Please do what you're supposed to do. Just don't don't be stupid. Like yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, we know that you know that's the best thing for these animals. They're designed to to live in these sort of conditions. So. 
that's what they're meant to do. So they do, they, they hunker down in the wild under, um, under mats of leaf litter and they tight up, they coil up tightly in a ball um, to conserve heat. They go into roof spaces, they go into caves, um, they go into warm microhabitats to to sort of get through the winter, so to speak. Um, there's a study by Shine and Slip that shows the the movement of diamond pythons in the habitats in in around Greater Sydney, where you know the snakes move up onto the ridges during the winter, where they get more sun. Um, they can do some diurnal basking, hence why they're probably black. Um, and then during the uh, during the spring and the autumn and summer, they move down into the valleys, and that's where they do their mating and stuff like that. So um, I don't, I'm not aware of any studies of um, uh, population ecology in uh, in Bricata. Um There was some stuff done on. On some of St Francis Island, the Embracada group, I think, where they did some some morphometrics and stuff, but I don't think they did any actual whether they go during what time of year, sort of thing. So, um, but you know, they 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 are found in roofs of houses in Perth in in winter. Um, so you know, the, their ecology is probably relatively similar to, to what diamond pythons are doing. So they're finding nice warm places to sit during the during the um, the winter and and out and doing the doing what they do in the summer. So um, I am surprised. Though. I mean, this morning uh, I went out and none of the imbricata were out. Um, but last night there was two imbricata that were sort of sitting in the at the edges of their burrows, sort of looking, going, oh, you're in a in a um, in an S shape. Sort of sitting there going, oh, if you feed me a rat, I reckon I'll eat it. <laughs> of course, I'm not gonna... If you offer, you know, I'll feed <laughs> you a rat like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the part you go. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go on. I was going to say, this no, is where I get confused yeah, because if they're out ready to eat, you know, we, we're at least here in the, in the U.S., uh, our assumption is, is that, you know, when we're going to breed and it's wintertime and whatnot, that, you know, carpet pythons don't eat like they just kind of shut down and they're focused on breeding i mean is that just something that we made up in the hobby or is that they'll just take a yep. meal whenever they they'll want. eat whenever they want right <laughs> okay yeah or i i see i'll pull them out of houses and stuff like that and i still that's in the middle of winter for carpet pythons mm-hmm. and you know carpets uh they don't tend to move when you when someone rings you to go pull a carpet out of house, most of the time they've found the carpet python and if they just they don't touch it or don't go anywhere near it, most of the time the snakes will stay put move. Um this time last year I caught a carpet python that um a person that they they heard fall off the roof and was holding on to a ring tail possum. Now ring tail possum's probably about the size of Fifty uh, percent larger than a jumbo rat. Okay, so it was okay. a good-sized male carpet, and it fell down off the roof when it when it grabbed this this ringtail possum. It grabbed it, coiled it. They heard it fall off the roof onto the ground. All right. By the time I got in the car, got over there, and all the rest of it, uh, it was probably about twenty minutes from the time I I, till I got there. The snake had. Almost finished the possum, 
Now, the interesting part was that the temperature at the time was, it was uh, probably 12 degrees or something like that. The concrete slab that it was continuing to eat on was 3 degrees. Right, I had a temp underground. Right, so it's three degrees and it's sitting there just chilling. Now, the snake's chill, absolutely freezing. I'm sitting there going, well, I'm not really going to touch it. You're, you're eating your meal, just a lot of energy to get to that meal. You're going to eat that meal and I'll probably see you for quite a while. Um, so what I did is I waited till it had got its meal down. And because the snake was that cold, it was so slow in its movement and actually fucking eating this bloody thing took ages. Anyway, got it into a, a bag took it up the up the road and, and released the site. Um and um, I assume that the snake didn't regurgitate the meat or anything like that, so um I'm assuming that it held it down. Um they've got to be able to digest in, in very cold temperatures. Um because otherwise you'd have dead snakes. The the assumption is you feed snakes when they're too cold they, the food rots in their stomach and dies. Um, I've never seen that ever in any any, any wild snakes that I've seen. I've, I've never never seen it in captive snakes. I've never heard of it in captive snakes. The only time I've ever heard of you know food, a food item not being properly digested is when the snakes had different ailments. So I don't know if that's a, a bit of a wives' tale or, or what. I'm not quite sure. Has any have you ever in a snake that is, or heard of a snake that has died because it hasn't, there's the majority of the No. I have not. Um, oh? No, I mean, like, you know, as long as they can get, I, I've always kind of thought it was the, as long as they can get to a certain temperature, there's not a problem, right? So, yeah. I have not. No, but the assumption is is that you don't feed it in winter because it won't be able to digest its it won't be able to digest its meal yet. Right. That the, the common myth is, is that, that what you, you that's that's what you've always thought, yeah. That's what the, that's what we're always taught is that you don't feed it in winter because it won't be able to digest it. The same thing goes through with the rest of the year is that it needs its basking spot or it needs a hot spot, otherwise it will not be able to digest its meal and the food will. I think that the common thing is that the food will rot in the snake's stomach like somehow the temperature of the snake is directly connected to the stomach acid in its stomach is what i've heard not that i believe but okay, so <laughs> what i've heard there, there, could be a, there could be a correlation between the enzymes and the enzymatic action okay. um, that aids in digestion with temperature but there shouldn't be a a an effective change in the, the acid pH or anything like that due to temperature. Right. That doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, obviously, the, the, the physiology of the snake will slow down in colder temperatures, so the, the processes and things like that will slow down in colder temperatures. But um, it doesn't mean to say necessarily mean that it stops. Um, I kept uh, tiger snakes here for, uh, for 20 years with, with no heating at all. And I kept them in Victoria with no heating at all. Um, and my snake room down there routinely got down to um, sub sub 10 degrees uh, during the middle of winter at night. So um, 
those snakes, you know, they, you'd feed them in, in spring and, and autumn and, and summer and, and they were subjected to very cold temperatures and they never had a barking spot and those snakes never had any issues in digesting. So I think some snakes are able to, to digest prey just fine without necessarily having to have a, a hot spot, so to speak. Um, that said, though, um, the snakes do move around in their environment in the wild. They do seek not warmer uh, warmer sort of habitats, the latitude the snake is living at um, is a direct correlation to the temperature that that animal should be in captivity. So if you have an animal that has a, a low latitude, you know, so it's, it's close to the equator, um, then we automatically go, well, it's, it's tropical, so we need to keep it at, at 30 degrees or 35 degrees or whatever the case may be. Mm. You can do your conversion on the conversion for And then likewise, if it's at a, a lower latitude, uh, sorry, a higher latitude, then it should be kept cooler. Um, we think that something from Southeast Asia is automatically kept for the most part, I've kept in a jungle, put them in a jungle environment. Well, you know, Southeast Asia has all sorts of in, you know, all sorts of habitats that sit within it. Um, and then within those habitats, then you have uh, microhabitats that might be more humid or might be more dry, depending on, on the taxis. So um, I think that generally speaking, as we have this... Uh, set idea of what we should be keeping our reptiles at and mm-hmm. that works probably great for about 75% of the reptiles that we keep in captivity but 25% of those reptiles don't necessarily fit to that that you know 30 to 32 degrees Celsius 50% humidity one rat every two weeks uh, day night cycle of, of 12 hours on 12 hours off um, and so we assume that, that that if animals don't fit that mould, they're hard to keep. It's not that they're hard, that they're necessarily hard to keep, it's that we don't provide the actual requirements that that snake is looking for or that that reptile is looking for. So it could be something as simple as that yeah, if you have the right temperature but you're not feeding the right food item, then that snake doesn't thrive and that snake then goes through stress, it going through stress lowers the immune response. By lowering that immune response, then you have an animal that's more susceptible to disease. Um, and and then subsequently, uh, you know, uh, as something that is a relatively, um, uh, something fairly, fairly simple to, to fix becomes actually really difficult to fix because the animal's immune system so low because it's so stressed out. Um, so I, I certainly wonder that, you know, when we talk about animals that are really hard to keep and really hard to breed, maybe it's because of the way that we're doing it. And, you know, I think that that might have something to do with it. So I, I think one of the issues that people talk about with diamond pythons, and I was actually getting to somewhere or just taking a long way to get there, um, diamond pythons used to be known as a really hard animal to keep alive for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think they're a slow-growing animal, and I think that they need to be kept cooler. 
I think that they don't do well at 30 degrees all the time. I don't think they they like um, uh, being to fed, being fed too much. I think they need to be grown slowly. I think that they need access to UV light. They do bask, um, and they need access to cold temperatures as well. You know, these, these snakes have got a choice of the temperature that they they utilise in these enclosures outside. They're choosing to go out at 11 degrees or 111 mm-hmm. degrees. Um, I'm not going to set my enclosures up to 11 degrees inside my house or inside the mm-hmm. snake building, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think Ty's going to go for that at all. I don't think she's going to be okay with that, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, happy wife, happy life. No, um, yeah. <laughs> and, but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, she, she manages the collection and... It was her idea to say, no, let's put the diamonds outside, let's put the imbricata outside, let's see how they go. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, actually, I really like the idea of that. Let's let's do that and let's see how they go. And we, those enclosures are, are self, effectively self-cleaning, so they're, you know, they're like a bioactive substrate in the bottom of them outside. Um, the enclosures themselves are, are much larger. There's perches in them. The snakes can go up and down and have access to... To UV, rain, wind, um, the sunlight, and the, the snakes are behaving a hell of a lot better. And they're, they're already, you know, the imbricata have been out there now for, well, some of them have been out for, for nine months now, and, and some have been out for six months. And within three weeks, they were exhibiting natural behaviour, um, you know, setting up ambush sites, sitting in ambush positions. Um, coming out and basking, basking in the mornings. Um, you know, they, they do this cryptic basking thing where the, you know, both Imbricata and Dolms will do this where they'll stick a coil out in the sun and the coil will follow the sun around, but the rest of the snake will be covered under the leaf litter or covered in the straw or, or sort of hidden away in the, in the vegetation. Um, so they don't necessarily use their head you know, people used to think that black-headed pythons, they just stick their hair out of a crack and that's why their head's black to, to absorb heat. Well, quite often you see carpets will throw out a coil um, and that there'll be one coil that comes out of the out, outside of the, the where the snake is sitting away and that's that's getting getting temperature, I suppose, on And that, that, that coil will hunt the sun. It's, it's quite interesting to see. Um, that is really cool, and that's so, something that most people wouldn't have. Like, I've never heard that, and I don't think many people have even seen that. And that's in, in the U.S. at least. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so, our enclosures in store in that building, um, we put windows into the ceiling. The windows in the ceiling. One of the things that we've noticed with that is that the snakes will actually follow sun. So some of our alakas will, will move off the off the heat points, I suppose, and sit and bask in where the sun and the sunlight is coming in through the roof. And you've got direct sun coming through the roof and hitting into an enclosure. You know, you'll have a taipan that'll curl up in the sun as opposed to curl up on the heat. So the snake some of these snakes I think are using um, the colour, you know, obviously the colour from the sun, the the uh, the light temperature or the colour temperature of that light is is different, um, and I think that reptiles pick up on that as well. 
So the fact that, you know, we, we keep animals in racks all the time, they don't necessarily have access to a full colour temperature of, of light. And there's, there's, there's more things to that than, than I think we, we take credit for it as keepers. Um, so I, I wonder sometimes with the, the bioactive substrates where people have bioactive enclosures and there, there's one thing with a bioactive enclosure that tends to run hand in hand is that they have really good lighting above it because they've got plants that they want trying to grow through that bioactive enclosure. So mm-hmm. suddenly you've got lighting that, that's sitting over the top of the enclosure that is much closer to, uh, I suppose, sunlight. Uh, for lack of a better term, with regards to colour temperature. And I wonder if that, that makes a big difference to the animals as well. Hmm. Have you noticed, um, uh, do they do, do the snakes that you're keeping outside that are exposed in that UV, or do they look any different, healthier, you know? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, they look different. They definitely look different. It's like, I suppose the best way to describe it, it looks like their skin thickens up. Um, really? So when you feel them, when you're holding them, yeah, when you feel them and hold them, they're not soft. They're not okay. super soft. They don't feel soft. Um, you know, I suppose the best way to describe it is when you, and you feel the same thing with, with captive snakes versus wild snakes. So if you hold a, a, a captive, you know, a red belly or something like that, a captive red belly snake is really soft to touch. Um, when you capture a, a red belly in the wild, you can actually feel it. Their scales are a little bit harder. It's the same thing with carpet pythons. You know, carpet pythons in captivity are soft and they're quite supple, but you feel one that's in the wild and they, they feel a bit harder. Um, you could probably do the same thing with corn snakes. You feel a corn snake that's, that's, in the, that's been kept in a, a rack its whole life. Um, it's it's soft and it's supple, and then you you hold a, a wild one, and the wild ones have got a, the, the scales are a little bit uh, feel a little bit more rigid, I suppose, um, and it's probably a reflection on the the density of the, the calcium in the in the animal as a whole. So there's been a couple of studies on bone density in snakes that have been subjected to UV light. Um, there was one done on corn snakes. Uh, I can't think of the study. I'll find study anyone. I'll put it in the in the um, the show the show chat thing. I'll find yeah. out what it is. But there was one that was looked at. There was one that looked at uh, corn uh, corn fucking corn pythons, uh, corn snakes, <laughs> and the bone density was about twelve to twelve to thirteen times denser in animals that were offered UV light. That was the only difference between the animals. So you had animal, you had a control group of snakes out of the same clutch of eggs. Half the clutch was fed, uh, fed and raised without UV light. The other clutch, the other half of the clutch was raised with UV light. And then they they killed the animals at the end of it. And then they looked at the density of the, the skeletal system in the in the two uh, in the in the snakes. And the ones that had UV light were were much denser. The, the bone density was much greater than it was in the um, in the other ones. And so I wonder if that also goes across into uh, into the skin as well to a lesser extent and also potentially into egg production and stuff like that. I wonder that maybe some of the issues that we have in in captive snakes where we've got, uh, where we have poor egg health, 
yeah. or where we have higher rates of um, reproductive disorders, whether it be uh, retained retained eggs and, and things like that, or um, egg quality that's bad, um, maybe that's got something to do with with UV and, and calcium and calcium distribution in the body. Yeah, um, like the the not fully shelled eggs or something like that. I mean, I could I could see that could be an issue. Wow, damn, that's interesting. I love that. That's that's really cool. Well, you, you think think about think, like you know? yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I suppose it is. Um, is it scrub pythons? Uh, some of the scrub pythons that people have. They seem to have good clutches, but they don't in numbers. But they don't seem to have good good percentages of, of fertile eggs, or um, yeah. they have poor egg. They have a high rate of egg death initially, or maybe maybe that's got something to do with it potentially. Um, you know, or, I mean, we we don't keep scrub pythons anymore. We we, we got rid of them because they, they we can't keep them outside here. It's too cold for them to mm-hmm. to, to, to keep scrubbies outside. Um, a lot of snake are there, a lot of mass to try and try and heat up, um, and it's a too, it's a snake that's too big to keep inside, in our opinion. So we wanted to, to to try and keep them outside, and we had one go at it, and they just don't seem to do too well. So we're, we're not going to keep them. <laughs> we decided against from keeping them. So um, they're bloody nice snakes. We like shrubbies, but. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I suppose that's that's the thing. You, you, you've got to decide how far do you really want to go. And if if you don't want to go to to the extent that that animal probably deserves, then you need to to question whether or not you really want to keep it, um, yeah. or whether you should even keep it in the first place. But no, you know, we, we've all got our 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 line of ethics that we decide that that we're going to stick to. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're we're at a position now where we. We tend to keep less animals um, than than what we used to, so we're, we're we're trying to keep what we want to keep, as opposed to trying to have a stamp collection with with, with every fucking tax on in it. You know? <laughs> Not doing the whole uh, need every single Australian species right now. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot. <laughs> yeah. Scott, I had a question yeah. about the, the venomous uh, part of, um, you know, like how you were saying that um, the tiger snakes, uh, I think that's what you said there were tiger snakes that you were keeping that yeah. you didn't give heat to. But the, the fact that they, they're venomous and they're sort of, that venom is sort of digested, like does that, does that help? It, I'm assuming it helps with the digestion of that uh, prey so that it would be a little bit different than, say, a python digestion, digesting a, the prey? Is that no. so? I, I've always found this. I've always found this. I've always found this interesting. So, I, I suppose the point that um, the point that is used, and this is brought by people that that have venomoids, or one of the arguments to say that people shouldn't have venomoid snakes is because oh, you, you know, the venom aids in digestion, and the snakes are venomoids; they can't digest their prey properly because the venom helps in digestion. Yes, the venom probably does help in digestion. However, the venom has no means of getting itself pumped around the body of that prey item if the prey item isn't alive when you feed it off. <laughs> okay, so then if that was the case, it, then you'd only have stops. one section yeah. of the, the rodent. <laughs> You're only going to have one section of the rodent gets digested if that was the case. Yeah? 
I never thought about Scott that, but that is so right I'll, give the I'll, I'll give you the tip. <laughs> I'll give you the tip. I look at a hell of a lot of lapid shit, and, and, it's, and it's just okay. There's no dramas there, and we don't feed live wherever we can avoid it. So um, it's it's one of those things. It's 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 a bit of a straw man argument. You you hear for oh no, you can't do this because you know the snakes aren't going to be able to digest because they haven't got venom to digest their their food. Bullshit. Snakes digest just fine. Um, otherwise, you would literally only have one section of the mouse digested or the rat digested where the venom was has, is able to permeate through the, the tissues of the dead rodent. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think venom is a... Don't get me wrong, I think it, it certainly aids in, in digestion uh, to sure. a point. Yeah, you'll notice that... Uh, if you have an animal regurgitate for for whatever reason, the the section that the the, the rodent has been um, envenomated into tends to be at a further rate of decomposition than the um, than the remaining part of the rodent. Um, so there, there might be something to it. I just don't think it's as as critical as what people assume. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, now, I mean, look, carpet pythons don't have venom, do they? And they digest yeah. their extra time. I, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you have a point there. Yeah, that's. <laughs> well, I guess my thinking was is that they, they well, it, at least what I observe from my snakes in captivity is like as soon as you give them a meal, especially if it's a, it's a if it's a bigger meal, you know, they go directly to the heat, um, to try to digest that. Um, at least that's what I see with. I, I some, fed my diamond pythons that, and they, you know, it's immediately, you know, to the heat to try to. I'm assuming that's what they're doing. So there's some some pretty there's some pretty incredible changes in in physiology in, in reptiles that, uh, in, in snakes in particular, happen when they eat a meal. Um, the uh, there was a an episode on on herpetological highlights spoke specifically about this in uh, boa constrictors and, and the, the, a huge change in the blood, uh, the blood physiology and the viscosity of the blood after a snake takes a meal and within 12 hours, I think the blood thickens to thickens threefold. Um, so it has that, yeah, it's crazy, like absolutely insane. That, so there is some significant changes Um to to reptiles metabolism they they take them their metabolism goes through the roof to try and digest the meal I suppose uh-huh. and and then the energy from that meal <clears throat> um, so there is significant change and because uh, they 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 take a percentage of their uh, energy from from the uh, metabolic processes from from the sun or from the uh, from uh, external heat sources, and so they do need additional additional heat to help them digest. How much additional heat they need to to be able to digest is, I suppose, is the question. And, and the snake will will often seek out certain amounts of heat. But whether they need that amount of heat in a short period of time, if the animals are healthy, um, I suppose remains to be seen. Gotcha. Okay. Now, has there been studies on how fast diamond pythons um, will, you know, uh, 
get to their get their core body temperature to where it needs to be? Um, I mean, as far as them basking, are they basking all day long? Are they basking, especially at those colder temperatures? Or is it just a hit in the morning, um, later in the day? Uh, I see them out, sort of out all, all day. Um, they'll, they'll sort of shuttle in, in and amongst the, the temperature. I suppose once they, they go through the, the typical diurnal temperature thing where they get their, they shuttle out, they bask, or they get up to their, their core body temperature and then they shuttle in and out of the the sun to maintain that temperature. Um, you know, it's a, a, a typical heliothermic uh, sort of reptile behaviour. Um, and then they, they go down through a, a cooler period at night. So, um, yeah, whether there's been a, a specific study on diamond pythons, I'd say there would be. What was that, sorry? Right. I was going to say, uh, but the, they're hunting at night, right? How do they maintain that? I guess I guess they're okay with those temperatures dropping down if they're. You know what I mean? Like if. if yeah. Well, I suppose that they're designed they're designed to, to to go down to a lower temperature, but then also too the the, the rates of uh, thermal escape in a, in an environment differ depending on what it is. So if you've got a rock that's been that is has a massive has a great mass that's been sitting day in day out. Um, in the sun, then that rock is going to retain a hell of a lot of heat right through the night. Um, so the snake may be able to then go and bask on that rock and, and elevate its body temperature up. Um, likewise, um, for animals that are trying to find cool environments, they, they can sit in, in cracks and stuff like that that stay cool during the middle of the day where it's incredibly hot outside. You know. Alan Pelly is sitting in. I don't think Alan Pelly is sitting at forty-five degrees during the day. Right. You know, I think that's. A, I don't think um, you keep Alan Pelly's pythons at forty-five degrees. <laughs> then you go dead Alan Pelly's pretty quick. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, I think that the reality of it is, is that the the snakes know where they want to go in the environment and by giving them more opportunity to to choose what environment those animals want to be at, um, whether it be temperature, whether it be humidity, whether it be light, whether it be UV exposure, all of those things have, can play a factor in in how well an animal is uh, suits itself or so it, it keeping, keeps itself alive. And I think that's the problem we... By keeping animals inside, we can control many of those variables, but by doing that, we may be controlling those variables in sacrificing them for another. So, right. you know, I suppose that uh, yeah, we, we can control humidity and temperature inside really easily, but then we can't replicate... Um, we can't replicate the the light cycle or we can't replicate colour temperature or we can't replicate UV to that same extent. And so we're, we're sacrificing potentially one thing for another. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, how much different is um, the, the environment for Imbricata as opposed to a diamond? Right? I mean... Is it just it's warmer um, in the crowd are from, or are they experiencing those? Oh, not really. Not really. This right. this time of year in, in Perth, it's bloody freezing. Um, 
the overall temperature during the summer is warmer than than what it is uh, in the eastern states. The relative humidity is is lower in in Western Australia than than in, in most places. These are obviously broad generalisations. Um, the relative humidity is lower uh, than it is in the, the eastern seaboard, and that's to do with the way the winds are. So the the winds in eastern Australia blow off the water uh, up to the to the edge of the Great Dividing Range, both of the Diamond Clockens are found either on or uh, on the eastern side of the, the Great Dividing Range, and so they, they have uh, subjected to, to high humidity. In Western Australia, <coughs> uh, you have a lot of breeze that comes not off the water but actually comes from inland, so it's a dry, dry warm breeze, and that keeps the temperatures a little bit warmer um, and the relative humidity lower. So while they most they are might be close to the coast or similar distances from the coast to each other. Um, they don't have the same amount of relative humidity. It's more humid in in, uh, in eastern Australia. Um, in both cases, you know, um, a mate of mine, Adam Elliott from from Melbourne, he's found both imbricata and diamond pythons um, almost in the splash zone of of the ocean. So they, they they do act on coastal assemblages in both cases. So, um, okay. yeah. Wow. Huh. That's mm. interesting. <laughs> I mean, the other reptiles will get down into the ocean. I mean, I've seen several pictures of like perennies and stuff on the on on the water and stuff like that, right? Perennies. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get dugouts yeah. going over. Yeah. Dugouts and tiger snakes and things like that to get into into the sea on 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 occasion. I suppose it's pretty rare, but it does happen on occasion. Um, over here, you get eastern brown snakes fairly regularly on the beach. Um, <laughs> carpet pythons in the in the dunes directly behind the um, behind the behind the, the 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 ocean. So, you know, things things turn up on the beach. That's for sure. Right. You sound far away, Owen. What are you? I'm right like, here. I don't know. You're, you're, you're like this, talking like this. I was love, just like, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not right up on the mic. I mean, I was listening to Scott. It's fine. It's just. It is fine. <laughs> just saying. Jesus sorry. Christ. Don't mean to fight in front of you, Scott. Right. You know, you know right yeah, doing. right in front of Scott. Yeah. <laughs> so much drama this He's week. He's been here before. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking drama in the chat, or not? <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Fucking oh, uh, okay, Jesus! I was reading. I was like, "Oh my god, really?" Fuck up, bitch. Scott's just trying to send his pictures. I don't have notifications on for that chat. Yeah. <laughs> Smart man. I was like, you're just trying to send us pictures of Imbricata and uh, diamond pythons and everything goes haywire. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey man, check out this cool snake, and everybody's just uh. Rah, 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 you know? oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, like, there's two people that are having a bitch at each other, and uh, you know, probably, probably have got. Their reasons to be bitching at each other. I'm not saying that they don't. You know, right. or even, but at the same time, fucking group chat's not something that fucking needs to be. They can take and talk about it somewhere else. I, <laughs> do it somewhere else. Yeah. Whatever. Do it in your own chat. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> just a shit. But I suppose that's for a reason why. I mean, I've got my um, I've got my couple of group chats, and I've got them on fucking mute. And the reason they're on mute is because my phone would just be fucking non-stop beeping, and I was just like, nah, fuck this. I, 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 that can't be can't be going off you know you, every fucking two seconds in a meeting you know, ping 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I learned that lesson quick you're getting ready to go to sleep and then it's a pain in the ass yeah. and, you, and it's like you and you can't find it there's no way to do it on silence either unless no. you silence everything there's no way you can just have it silent Come on, Facebook, get your shit in. Yeah. Fucking stop. Man, it's one of us wasted on it. You know, like, I mean, there's some, there's some good things on it, but it's just wasted time. Yeah. Um, Speaking of wasting time, what's what's happening with the um the carpet fest guys? Are you guys going to go online or what? We should probably make a decision on that thing, right? Shouldn't we? <laughs> we probably should. Pretty. Cool. I'm calling you out now on it. I uh, we, I'm going to call you. I noticed now. that. So, yeah, that that was that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, Eric. I, yeah, I back so, your so, play. I don't. So what are you going to do? Are you going to do? Bitch about it all the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know. The problem is, is that I haven't had time to research how to even do it. What do you, I, I have, I think it would be cool. So you, know. you can do, you can things and stuff like that, or something like that, where you can shape shift things and, and that sort of thing. Not necessarily to, but, um, there's obvious that the universities are delivering lectures to, to large amounts of people. Um, so, we find out people there that, that, that lecture in universities and stuff like Warren, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> that might be able to assist us with how we can, how we can make this happen. Um, surely there's a, there's a few people that can some information in um, how they're keeping animals or whatever and get some conversations happening and, and then you can have a carpet fested right now, so to speak. Right, and then you yeah. get you get our year nine carpet fest so we can still have the ten year next year when we, you know, like I said, burn your house to the ground. So, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm gonna keep um, saying that. So yeah, I mean, um I think it would be cool. I think it would be very cool. Do something like um, you know, we had that um I mean, obviously this one was in person, but uh, we had that iCast uh, thing uh, that we went to. Gosh, I, I don't know. How yeah, many, years, many you know. moons ago when but, I was um, younger and full. I loved like, that. I loved yeah. every minute of that. I mean, you had people giving lectures on just different snakes. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but they were talking about breeding. Uh, were you there, Owen, when they were talking about breeding uh, those vipers and they... You know, they had, they was trying to do that at the zoo and, you know, it took I them think, years to try to figure it out. I think I was, I remember, I remember the one where he was doing, he put the snakes on like a tilt table or whatever. And like uh, the, Ar- Harvey, uh, yeah, the, Ar- the arboreal ones are like, we don't give a shit, but all the terrestrial ones were like passing well, out or something like that. It was, well, I was talking about how, you know, just different snakes from different, um, you know, uh, different environments uh, are, are built differently, you know. Um, yeah, 
So, no, I I was at a few of them. I don't remember which one I just decided to stay at the table and get hammered. But uh, I know that happened somewhere. That was young Owen Scott. That was young Owen Scott. Scott. He was foolish. <laughs> he just cared about getting hammered. Yeah, it was. Oh, no, young, young Owen, the last Christmas show sounded like it. <laughs> Owen, the last Christmas show sounded like his group. Uh, that was, yeah, and in, again, we've learned lessons. We do it once a year, and that's it. So, right. you know, it's. It's all good. <laughs> we learned a lot of lessons that show. So, yeah. Um, but no, I'd be all for it. Maybe we should start trying to figure out um, how we would get it done. I mean, I know we have a couple people that we could ask to do lectures on, and you know, we can also still raise some money for either U.S. Arc or um, we can try to find uh, a reptile. Um, I, I want to say that there's got to be some um, research groups or uh, stuff like that that have been hurting because of the whole COVID thing that might want to get back into their. Uh, research at once all this stuff lessens up a little bit so i saw the the, the brisbane uh, yeah. python yeah. project was out at it again last night they were uh they they found some coastal carpets out and about owen you would uh, i do you love coastals yeah i do <laughs> you are correct <laughs> so yeah well you've got that and then you've also got things like the um uh, snake fungal, fungal disease projects and stuff like that that are happening sort of closer to home for you guys as well. It's, yeah, I mean, um, you got rattlesnake there's some interesting and, things out there that yeah, and hellbender yeah, research is yeah, around sure. here someplace. So I mean, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. Fucking rock stackers. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's rock so stacking? funny to me. That, like <laughs> when rock. you talk to <laughs> somebody from Australia. Or even from somebody outside of the U.S. that they're just blown away by our herps, and we just like are like poo-poo them in every chance we get. You know what I mean? We do. We it, it's it's so crazy. It's just like ah, that's just a garter snake. Like I have garter snakes running all through my yard, all over the place, and I'm just like ah, it's just a garter snake. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Yeah, somebody from outside yeah, the I'll, U.S. I'll would be like, oh my god. Well, it's. What's that? I mean, what is yeah, it? I'll we, my camera out for that. Sure. Was it, we were we were all trying to get pictures of a slaty gray or something when we were in Fog Dam. I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I imagine an, I imagine. I think it was pissed off, but it was. I mean, I imagine it's something they see every day, and they may not. You know, they, they walk right past with us. a sense of security because we were all like, "Wow, I thought these were supposed to be a lot more uh, aggressive." And then it then it went nuts. Yeah, it was like it hurt us. And it was then it flipped the switch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, but it's like I suppose it's like for me for carpets. You know, like I yeah. very rarely do I actually pull my proper camera out and take a photo of a carpet pilot. Right. I don't care. I see them all the time. I, I, <laughs> right. You know, I, I might bang a photo with my phone just to stir you fuckers up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, now we got to go find Timber's not So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. Do, do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to take photos with your phone. Get it within. You're going to do it. Get it within the fucking strike range for me. Or why not? Just don't get, <laughs> yeah. that. get it right in there. Yeah. Owen no. died to get you this picture. Yeah, rattlesnakes. <laughs> I guess you would have that same appreciation uh, for rattlesnakes because they are a unique species. Let's let's be honest. That's that, I mean, that like in particular is is a, is a unique. They're attention grabbers. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like, like in my, you know, I've been fucking around with venom snakes for, for over thirty years, and. 
I've handled rattlesnakes on like three occasions. Um, so it's it's not something for me that I do with any great regularity. So for me, it's a big deal to be fucking rattlesnakes. Um, yeah. Same time, um, you know, I, I like rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes are nice, but there's a whole heap of other venomous stuff that I'm much more interested in, in than rattlesnakes. Um, of of all of the things though in the US, the the two animals that I would I'd be really excited to see. Eastern indigos, always lost mm. it. Eastern indigos are an amazing snake. And Gila monsters. Love Gila monsters. Mm. So, oh, yeah. you know, venomous blue tongues. <laughs> every time, every time I think of, I love Gila monsters and I think they're cool. They're awesome. Every time I think of them, like I think of them as like you know it's it's the venomous lizard and da 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 and I just think of Owen with grabbing the two snake hooks and putting them under their arms and going like hello my baby hello, I mean it, my it, it, you just kind of scoop it like it just if, takes like all the it does like because like if you just scoop them up they just hang there like they're defeated yeah. and it's like all right move and like and that's it that they don't really care too much I mean you put them down and they'll be like yeah but if you can move an angry but if you can move an angry blue tongue, you can move an angry healer. Oh, exactly. I mean, like, and yeah. the funny thing is, is that they'll be making noise the entire way, but they're not fighting you. They're just, like, puffing as you're walking them across things. They're like, yeah, and then you put it down, and that's it. I mean, yeah, I wish I could that's give it. That's one reptile right? that my dad would still work with. That's the one well, he never got that. Tell your dad to get your species. ass back in it, you know? Yeah. Well, he just, has a king snake, but I keep oh, trying to suck come him back on. in. Just drop off two Gila monsters at his house on Christmas and be like, figure it out. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, if I did that to my father. I don't understand why you, guys don't, why, you, why you guys don't throw your, your tail in the deep end with the venomous. Oh, I. You've been keeping snakes for a reasonable amount of time. Why? Why not? I'd be it, I'd be dead if I did venomous. I, I, I get bit so many times, all the time. It, I, I did I'd venomous gone. when I was younger. I, I I did that when I was younger with my dad. We had all kinds of stuff. I mean, we had Western rattles, Western Diamondbacks, Eastern Diamondbacks, Sidewinders, Gaboons, Cobras, uh, Water Moccasins, Copperheads. Uh, Jesus. Pit Vipers, Tree Vipers. Um, trying to think what else he had. He had so much shit. Yeah, but you, what, you just don't like them these days, or are you just not... Uh, I don't know. I just kind of like settled into the Python world, and that's kind of where I stayed. I don't know. I never. Uh... <laughs> you lose, lose your guitar hand if it got if you got nailed by a ga a gaboon or something. Yeah. I think that's probably why I did move out of it. You know, to be honest, that's why I don't work with monitors either because of, like my fingers and my hands. Uh, the only reason I don't have lizards is I don't have the space. I I'd, yeah. I'd have Mertens in a heartbeat. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we we just got rid of our mertens. Um, we got rid of our mertens. We kept them outside all year round. They were fine. They, they did good. I was going to ask, do you awesome keep lizards? Awesome lizards today. Do you keep other animals outside besides the diamonds and the imbricata, or is that just the are those the only snakes you keep outside? Yeah, parentes. Okay. No, parentes. How are parentes, they? Parentes, one of those. I mean, is that like a dream species? Yeah, fine. That's awesome. <laughs> They're nice. They're, they're nice. They, they come when you call them. <laughs> so you, we can call them by name. Bullshit. Really? Like a dog. 
my gosh. Yeah, no, I can call spot over. Spot will come running and, and you know, it's, it's like target training. So it's no different to any other target training. So you can target train, you can target train with the ball, you can target train with the name, you know. Um, so I wish they were more plentiful in US calling, What was that? I wish they were more plentiful in U.S. herpetoculture. I mean, there's a ton. Lace monitors seem to be kind of just cropping up all over the place in the U.S. right now. Like, everybody who's had a pair of yeah, lace well, monitors. Yeah, like got smuggled out of Australia. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but it's, they keep, but people are actually getting more and more success with breeding them. But, like, there are no perennies anywhere. And I'm not even talking just U.S. herpetoculture. I haven't seen a perenny in a zoo in my entire life, except for when we went to Australia. So, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a, a few people over here that breed them. Um, they're not bred commonly. Um, and they've got, a, I mean, they're a bit like laces. They've got a, a very long hatch uh, incubation time, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so 200 odd days is the, is the incubation time. You might get, um, I suppose, like a lot of monitors, the issue isn't necessarily the, the getting getting eggs. It's not even, um, it, it's not the female usually, it's the male. What happens is the fucking male, you keep them together for the most part. You put the male in and the male finds a fucking clutch of eggs and you eat the fucking clutch of eggs on you. Um, <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a pain in the ass. What an asshole. Um, <laughs> that, oh, fuck, it's happened to so many people I know with Lakey then and with, um, with Prinkies. So um, we've both got both normal with our Lakeys where we're probably going to end up fucking off the um, the normals and just keeping bells. Um Nice. We prefer to look at the bells. Bells beautiful. Um, but the parentes are parentes are gorgeous as well. Um, yeah, got they are. Sand monitors of Verona school die, and we've got uh, yellow spotted monitors of uh, Verona panoptes. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, blotch blue tongues, cunning amp skinks. Uh, from a couple of different localities, there'll be different species at some point in time. They're not the same same species. They they behave completely differently. They've got um, different they live in different different habitats. Um, my understanding is that they've done some genetic work on them, just teasing out the the, the nomenclature. And so they'll end up being split up. Um, Eastern blueies. Um, I think that's about it. There's some little shinglebacks. Um, and then we've got northern blue tongues and a few other bits and pieces there. Awesome. Yeah, so mainly, mainly, our main diversity is in the Alapids these days. Did you get any new Alapid projects that you're kind of like excited about? Or are you still plugging away with the, the um, ones you've kind of been messing with for a while? No, we've picked up our butler snakes are now getting to a size that they're, they're reproductive, so I might give them a crack this year. Uh, we're still trying to breed our pilgrim death adders. Um, they're probably their Thai favourite death adder. Um, uh, uh, that's on the cover of our snake book, actually. Is, I was um, say. <laughs> Thai's favourite pilgrim death adder. Right. Uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty amazing looking snakes. Um, and then we've got the night tigers as well. Uh, so night tigers are going to try and breed. We we got eggs out of them last year. 
but I didn't pick up that she was grabbed like a moron and um, didn't have a lay box in there. And we were cleaning out the enclosure and you know, you have a paper substrate in there and we pulled the paper back and there was fucking uh, six eggs that were all, five or six eggs that were all completely desiccated. We threw them in the incubator thinking maybe they might pop back out, but no. Um, and because of the... The eggs are really elongated in, in Boiga. So um, because they're, they're really elongated and she was a fairly hefty girl, we didn't even see the eggs. So um, that was a that was a bit of a disappointment. Mm. Um, I, I've bred Boiga before. I haven't bred them though, in the last 15-odd years. So, um, you know, it would be, it'd be nice, to, nice to have bred them. Um and yeah, type hands and, and some death adders and a few other bits and pieces should should crack on with this year hopefully. But you know, everything's sort of slowing down at the moment. We're mm-hmm. flying our, our, our inside animals down. Um so Western Tigers. We do Western Tigers, which are the, the black and yellow ones. Um and uh Ty wants to, to breed the kangaroo or other tigers thanks as well, so so they'll they'll be sort of they're almost at size now for that too. So they'll they'll be big enough for breeding this year. So you know, I really hope we don't we're not too successful and and breed everything because if that's the case, I'm going to have a hell of a lot of mouths to and feed <laughs> a lot of time bloody force for the lads. Um, that's not that's not a lot of fun. I'm sure, yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> that that's nerve wracking. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Well, you really have to focus on that. <laughs> you have to be uh, yeah. in the zone. Oh, it's not so bad. I, I, I suppose the difference with us, with the way that we sort of handle it, we don't handle our pythons any differently to the way we handle our lapids. So, um, you know, I used to hook the imbricata out of the enclosures and the diamonds out of the enclosures. I just use a hook. I hook them out. Um, it, you use a hook for everything. So because you use a hook for everything, it's it's not that much of an issue. But the, the difference in the in the cage maintenance of a a blackheaded type and versus a, a type hand is essentially the same. You take the snake out of the enclosure and drop it into the um, drop it into the holding bin, clean out the enclosure, clean out the water, put the stuff back, um, put the snake back in the enclosure, and you feed it and, and do what you've got to do. So um, I suppose the difference is, is that you don't want to make a mistake because if you make a mistake with the type and you're in a lot more trouble than you are if you make a mistake with a blanket apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I always use a hook just because of all that venomous stuff. In the well, it's, I always use a hook for everything. But that was the funny thing because I think I saw somebody asking on like a jungle carpet forum and they're like, how do I make my snake nicer and not bite me when I'm reaching in to grab it? I'm like, use a hook. Problem is now solved. Like, you know, they, they can learn. <laughs> also, your hands won't get bit because right. you'll touch it with the hook and it'll realize what's going on and not come full. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know why people seem to just not want to use a hook. Even if you only have one or two snakes, hook training is awesome. You should do it. So... It's one thing that we do when we open the enclosure. Um, obviously, when we open the enclosure, we're, we're probably a little bit more mindful about where we put our body and, and stuff like that <laughs> when we're opening up the box. Um, 
but once I open that enclosure, one of the things I'll do is I'll use the hook and I'll put the hook on the back of the sump first before I actually hook it up. And so mm-hmm. the whole idea of that is it just makes a sleep. It sort of wakes the snake up and it doesn't freak the fuck out because the first thing it does is half being woken up as it's, it's getting dragged out of the enclosure. <laughs> um, particularly with, it doesn't matter with certain things, but with other things it makes a difference. Um, the, the, I mean, we hook and tail a lot of our animals because you trying to double hook an eight foot long tie pan is, is a bit of a fucking nightmare. Um, <laughs> yeah, the fulcrum, the fulcrum and the weight of the snake is, is not good. So you, you know, sort of hook out a, a coil and pull the coil out of the coil and then sort the hook underneath with the, um, uh, to get it into the right position or put the snake gently into the enclosure, into the, the holding holding enclosure and then likewise you transfer back and you, you don't end up too many issues if you just hook the snake out really fast and, and throw it into the bin it sort of freaks the fuck out and what's going on. Um, the other thing is too we use chip boxes as well and I, I, I see no reason why with, with flighty um, flighty pythons and flighty colubrids why you couldn't use chip boxes as well. Oh, they're, they're um, fantastic. For them. Yeah, I mean, I use them for yeah, I I think... my stuff. I mean, I have the, the, the Timor pythons that will shit all over you. It's not, I'm not in danger, but it's annoying. So I just wait for them to go in their boxes, and then I clean their cage, pull the whole box out. They just stay in the box. It's much easier and less stressful on them. So totally can do shift boxes. I'll, I'll bet that works. I'll bet that works. It keeps the stress levels down and things mm-hmm. like uh, Somalia, so you walk caught Somalia and you 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 walk caught Brother Carlos and stuff like that as well. So, yeah. You know, whether it be Miradanalis or, or um, Albertisi. Um, you know, you, you, keeping that stress level low means that your immune system in those animals works properly and then you, you have less chance of losing animals to specific animals. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree, and it's yeah. it's it's a lot easier for me too because I mean I just fly through the cage, just just pull the bin out, clean the cage, put the bin back, and then next time when they're not in the bin, you know, pull the bin out and clean the bin. It's ton, tons easier. Hmm. So, right. yeah. There was a question that came up, uh, Scott, uh, on the diamond python group, and they were talking about um, just diamond pythons building nests. Have you have any observations as far as that goes, uh, that they would be different than any other type of carpet or python or anything like that? Are, are they special when it comes to, uh, to nests? Nest, nest building? Um, I know cobras are. Not that we've noticed, but they, they go into... Obviously, they they use the straw that we've got. So we've got straw inside the enclosure and the um, in where the hides are, and the snakes will go in and they basically form like a a chamber that sits within that that straw, and they'll go in and out of that same that same area. I don't That's necessarily cool. think the nest that they're building. It's not like they've gathered the um, the leaf litter up to to sit in that particular place. So it just happens to be where they coil up. Um, so. I don't think they nest per se. Um, certainly, they're selective. Both carpets and diamonds are selective about where they they lay their clutches of eggs and stuff like that in the wild. So they'll find an area that is fairly sheltered, um, and they will they'll lay their clutch there because it's not like they can 
to pick their clutch up and move it around once they've laid it. They're going to be fairly selective about where they're putting their clutch at mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of thought that I don't know why they would be any different or why, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just diamond people loving diamond pythons or something. Special snakes. Or, <laughs> you know. Special dragons. No. Yeah. <laughs> My snakes are special. They I find it. <laughs> I find it a little bit unusual about some of the stuff that's that's sort of said about diamond pythons and, you know, people go, oh, that's definitely a diamond python because it looks like this. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen quite a few diamonds in the wild and they look nothing like that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I'd be surprised about how many actual pure diamonds are actually sitting in the U.S. You chase oh, them all the way back. Really? <laughs> you could chase them all the way back. Your your pure diamonds don't look like real pure diamonds. Oh no! Oh god! Oh, we've entered this phase of the show where we ruin. We get we have half the audience mad at us now. Um, you you watch. I'm gonna be blocked by all these fucking diamonds. Be <laughs> like, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you yeah. have no clue. What do you know? You just, just you don't know. see no, them. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with you? Yeah. How many? How many have you found? Have yeah. you found a lot? Have you seen a lot from a lot of different localities no. and stuff? Oh, same time. Same probably ten or fifteen different localities of diamonds. Um, okay. So I've seen a few of them. Um, so. Most of the ones that I've I've seen have been sort of Sydney and north of Sydney and stuff like that. Um, okay. But I've also seen from from Eden, uh, which is right down on the south coast, and, and Victorian animals as well. And then um, I've got some colleagues that um, have done some work on them in in this real southern part of their range as well. So they've got a real distinct look, the, the southern ones versus the northern ones. Um, they're, they're darker and the, or the yellow or the gold is, is a slightly different hue and um, they're particular. Um, but the the comment that you, you see, the, the, the way that the rosettes sit and, and all the rest of it, and like, oh, that's, that's definitely a, a carpet. That's definitely got carbon python in it because it's got it's got a, a slightly elongated marking on it or whatever. Well, I can get, get, get news for you. Wild diamonds can have elongated markings on them as well. Um, right. Wild diamonds can have sort of like banding on the tail too. Um, so it's, some of the characters that, that people say, that oh, yeah, it's definitely this because it's like this. Well, no, that doesn't necessarily wash. Um, also, too, you look at the... the you look, think of it, how much change has been in um, in jungle carpets. You know, the, the mm-hmm. what you guys call Palmerston's um, right. has been lime bread and lime bread and lime bread and lime bread and lime bread. And when you actually go to Palmerston or you go to Gillette or you go to Rockhampton or you go to Brisbane and you look at a carpet python from there, yeah, some might look similar to the ones that are being kept as gelatins or as... Brisbane's or as Rockies or, or whatever it is, but not all of them look that way. No. And yeah, I, I I find the comments about that I see about that oh, that's definitely a pure this or that's definitely a pure that is is based on the opinion of somebody else all the time. Um, and most of the time, the people who are saying so 
uh, so adamant that it must be this or it must be that. Chances are they haven't seen a lot of these things in the wild and actually know what they're talking about. So, Agreed. You know, I, I, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, when you showed us that coastal that we found, to me, that had more yellow than the jungle that we found. So it was like, huh. Uh, okay. Everything that I know yeah. about carpet pythons. Yeah, they're, they're, window. they're just the same fucking snake anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all just Pretty the much. same snake anyway. So, <laughs> okay. you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still like there at that point. I don't give a shit. Oh, really? You know, yeah. I've, 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 you know, Ty and I, we, we laid our, we put our cards in the sand. We said, this is what we think's going on. Um, and, Eventually, you know, with, with further further research and all the rest of it, we based it off the off the research that's been published at the time and and our opinions of those with the animals that we've seen in the wild. Um, when somebody comes along and does a a better genetic study and and changes it up again, then hey, great, why not? Um, but at this stage, we we still haven't seen the the evidence to say why a coastal carpet should be a subspecies. It, 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 there is no delineation between that and spilota. It's not like you go over a road or something like that and say, well, these ones are diamonds. Or, these ones are, uh, 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 we passed the barrier. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that's what, the only thing I swear, Scott, that's what people think. That's at least in the U.S. I, I've That's exactly what people, people think. It's, uh, yeah. and it's, and it's the same like, thing with fucking jungles too. Yeah, yeah. It's like this magical spot. Like there's a line in the sand that's like, nope, can't you're go there. Snake. You're jungles. You can't cross. Do not cross. It's like, mm, no. Yeah. Somehow the snakes can read books and, and all the rest of it. I know. <laughs> uh, they know. They know they're um, not supposed to go over there, and that's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, mm. And. I, it's weird because, like, I mean, we've seen Eric and I have seen eighty-eight percent diamond jungles. I can't tell the fucking difference. I mean, they look. I can tell the difference of what we have. Bullshit. No, no, no. You can look at. You can. I, I can see the ones we saw at Phil's. Look. Yeah, there's a different look between what and and I'm not saying like understand this. I'm okay. not saying that they're pure diamonds and these are crosses and this is how it would equal right. the wild and this has a certain amount of rosettes or this has a certain amount of this. It's no different than if you look at a coastal carpet, you know, or it's like what I say with Port Douglas, the ones we call Port Douglas locality carpets, right? Supposedly yeah. they're coastal carpets. To me, they look like jungles. They just have coastal carpets. <laughs> but but somebody posted a picture of a post uh, Port Douglas uh, carpet python, and it looked like a jungle carpet. God. It didn't look like anything like what we have I'll, in, I'll, in I'll, here. Uh, I've got photos of a carpet from Barron Falls. Barron Falls to Port Douglas is like 30 minutes up the road. Same same height, same, uh, same sort of... Um, Elevation, similar habitat, um, all the way up, and uh, a fucking snake looks just like a normal jungle. I mean, what people call jungles. <laughs> it's all bullshit. I reckon it's all bullshit. <laughs> I love it. He's breaking walls down. I mean, it's like all absolute rubbish. Doing all this, and I'm, I'm I think still what going it is, like. Is it, uh, 
I'm like, I still want Rockhamptons. Like, I still want the, all these localities. Well, they're cool snakes. I mean, Don't yeah, but <laughs> it's cool that we have them when we put our names on them and all. Yeah, that, that... Bullshit. No, it's like a ballpark and people put fucking different names on their different color fucking pattern things. So, I don't want to get into that. You know, <laughs> you just happen to be putting in with the fucking location. So <laughs> instead of calling it an itchy clown, you're calling it a rock Hampton. Fucking knock yourself out. doesn't mean not, it's a different fucking animal. We're not doing stupid things like calling it a woman. You're naming a color. You're naming a color like you're, all you're doing is naming, putting a, a, a color, a color combination of animal to a locality that supposedly fucking came from there. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, this is the other thing that I find fucking hilarious. These yeah. animals have, have, for the most part, been smuggled into the US at some point in time in the in the 70s and 80s. And yep. And so how, how true do you think, how honest do you reckon those smugglers are? <laughs> oh, you know, they're trying to sell an animal that has been smuggled in Hey, we can sell it for a little bit more if we tell them it's from a different place. Let's say it's from fucking Rockhampton. Are you telling me smugglers are going to be untrustworthy people? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm detecting a hint of sarcasm in your voice. Just a little bit? Um, (laughs) just, Just a hint. You know? Just a hint yeah. of it, yeah. It's <laughs> tiny little bit. But, but, but at the same time, but hang on, but there's, there's, despite the satire, there's a hint of, there is a hint of truth in that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, how many animals are, are from Meraki? Well, <laughs> all these rainforest animals are from Meraki. Meraki just happens to be the fucking port that they come out of. That doesn't necessarily yeah, right. mean that the animals are from there. Right. Um, and... And historically, I think the carpets are in exactly the same boat. Yeah, likely a lot of carpet pythons that have been smuggled into the US and Europe and all the rest of it from the in the, the 70s and 80s and stuff like that probably did come from urban centres that, um, i.e. Brisbane and Rockhampton and Mackay and and places that are, were relatively accessible because it's easy to catch snakes there. It's not because it's a particularly nice locality. It's just because that's where they get the animals from. At the same time, though, there is no way you'd hand me a snake and go, I'll call call carpet pythons in in Rockhampton and I've caught them in Yapoon and I've caught them at Byfield and I've caught them at Mount Larkin and I've caught them here uh, all around Rockhampton and there's no other opportunity between them. And so this is what I find funny is that somebody says, oh, yeah, I can tell a Rockhampton from a Brisbane. Fucking good luck. You can't do it in the wild, but apparently you can do it in the U.S. In, and how much well, of that I is just because, just because we keep reading the same well, stock I, to each other? It's, it's well, because you've applied, yeah. you just applied a name to a particular color lineage, that's all. Right, exactly. Yeah. So right. now they have it's a no look. different than a root and then, rose yeah. or, you know, it, they have a specific look. That doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, what, there's like, a, there's a whole bunch of islands in Aru. Which which island was it? Like The Aru one. <laughs> what? Uh, you'll, you'll but, have I, but I suppose the other different. side of that. Yeah. Right. The other side of that, though, is, is that, all right, so your lineage that you track that, you can track it so And you can track it back to a point where, you know, your Rockhampton, you can track back to point X. Well, 
how do you know that the people that had those, they had to obtain the animals from someone. How do you know that they didn't have a, a Brisbane that they that they crossed originally and go, oh, yeah, females from Rockhampton, I'm going to call these Rockhamptons? Probably. Mm, son of a bitch. Going, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God. I often think, you know, like, I mean, I, what I, if somebody, I, now that you guys... Like, don't get me wrong, I, I see right. merit. Yeah. Right? I see merit in when you say that, you know, this is an M10 coast or this is a uh, one in Nick's line when it comes to, to this or that or the other where you're referring back to a, a particular trade or, or phenotype. Right. Um, and people have placed their stamp on it and, and they've, they've paired their animals together to get a particular colour variant. Um, great, that's fine. But that doesn't necessarily I think that the, the locality stuff that, that is monitored with that stuff is the is necessary it may not necessarily be so accurate. Um and I suppose that's where I was going where back before where I was saying, you know, you, you might as well call them a, a an anti clown fucking pied because at the end of the day you're just putting a name on a on a a a particular phenotype. And people mistake that phenotype name with actually having something to do with the animals from that location. Yeah. Right. The only thing that I've seen, yeah, absolutely. And the only thing out of all the localities that we keep here in the States, mm. the gelatins seem to have like a similar type of pattern. Me and Rob were, were talking about it and they have this like ladder type of pattern, which does not to say that other carpets don't have that. But it's like when mm-hmm. when when I first saw those carpets in the wild, I I thought that like the one was a, a, a poplin carpet and the other one looked like a citrus tiger, and I'm like, huh, this don't look black and white. What's going on here? This yeah. is gelatin. This is supposed to be black and white jungles. I don't understand. I'm confused. Um- so I've got a mate of mine who used to live near Gelatin. His name's Shane Black, an Olapid bloke, and um, fucking top fella. And he used to live, he used to work in Mossman, and so he'd drive through Gelatin every day, right? And he used to work, uh, so he'd start work at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and he'd finish work at like 12 o'clock in the morning. And so he'd be driving back through sort of gelatin and stuff like that at right time animals crossing roads and shit like that. And I used to I said, how often do you see the cuts? He goes, oh, I've seen more time. I said, so how many are black and white? And he goes, that one in 10. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, fair enough, no worries. So right. I suppose the thing is, is that the, the prettiest ones, mm-hmm. right, that uh, are kept as locales, the phenotype being has been already sort of being picked out to pick the nicest looking animals for, for whoever whoever wants to call it, you know what I mean? So the, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just a straight representation of what is from a location. Um, and then you arbitrarily go, right, well, I want to keep, I want to make sure that the, the, the white is the most pure white. So, you know, when you get a clutch of eggs, you keep the ones that have got the cleanest white with the least amount of black tipping. And so you put those two together and then you keep the babies, the best babies from those ones in what your opinion is. And so what you end up getting two or three, four generations down the line, you end up getting these animals that look so different from the um, the original, original wild type. 
And yeah, I mean, that's invariably what happened all the time. Right. Right. That's what happened with jungles, just straight up jungles. I, 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 retain, I, I keep the best looking death adders when I, I breed death adders. <laughs> I mean, jungle carpets, they all went from normal to black and yellow. I mean, that eventually we just weeded it out and got rid of, nobody bred all the brown ones because why, why, why? So now we're at that point. I've never, I've never seen a, sorry, go on. No, 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 I was going to say, no, 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 go ahead. You've never seen, go ahead. I've never seen a carpet python, a, a jungle carpet in the wild that was just like straight black and yellow, ever. Every single one's had brown through it, brown or yeah. white through it, every single one. Right. And most of them aren't fluorescent yellow either. <laughs> you mean that's most. not normal? Weird. Oh, you're breaking out all the carpet python people's dreams. Yeah, what, can we find – what do you What do you know about Darwin's? Like, let's just keep going. Let's find out what, what else can we do. I was going to say, if you live in the U.S. and you want a locality project of snake, go to Alterna. I mean, I mean, you can actually go and collect yeah, a sure. snake. Yeah, you, you can go and collect the snake from this road and this mile marker, and you know, Do blah blah thing. blah blah, yeah. whatever, and you'll know because you pick Picked that it. snake up. Yep. You know, there's no middleman. It hasn't been smuggled. You know, 40 years ago, it's none <laughs> of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like I was walking down the street and you know, grabbed it. Or yeah. like garter snakes in my backyard. If I get them, it's not Warminster locality garter snakes. You know, it's you could, right? Who the hell knows? I mean, right. You know, it's, but no, it, it's it, that, uh, do they focus on that so much in Australia, uh, Scott, as just in general, as in reptiles, um, in keeping, uh, is that a big thing like localities and stuff like that? Like where you can actually go and um, get your own. Have so we, we, we've, we've purchased animals from, um, after studies and stuff like that, or we've gone from, from legal wild collection, Mm-hmm. Um, for certain things where we can, particularly with the... So that was one of the things with the Imbricata. So the Imbricata that we got came from the wildlife park. Their stock came from, from the wild. We wanted to make sure that our Imbricata that we got when Ty decided she wanted to get them, we wanted to make sure that our Imbricata were from a... And we wanted to make sure that our Imbricata were from a... There was no that that person didn't keep any other carpet pythons or anything like that. So we knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that our imbricata were imbricata. There was nothing, no no uh, no coastal blood in it or anything like that. And so then the same thing too. We've made sure that the only snakes that those imbricata we tried breeding them last year and they're probably too small. Um, the we wanted to make sure that when we put them together, that the only animals that that those snakes have ever been with have been, uh, you know, even temporarily or whatever, they've only ever been housed with Ibricata. So um, we know 100% that those animals are pure, and that's what we wanted to make sure. With the Alapids, it's a little bit different in that, you know, the, the Alapids are, are kept in captivity of... Just about all of the the Alapids, with the exception of stuff from WA and the Northern Territory, is um, uh, is captive bred, and so you know you've got an element of animals that 
um, you know, the, the the progeny or the parents were originally from this place or the parents' parents' parents were from this place and apparently this is where the animals are from. Um, and then people then call them a locality. Well, they're not really a locality because you don't, you can't be 100% on, on where the animals are from. You're only relying on what somebody else has said. And so in that case, we won't apply a locality to that animal. We'll just say that it's a an animal that, its parents or its parents' parents are purported to be from this location. So um, you never quite know. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. It's easier to, to say, yes, no, I don't know, I don't know what this animal's from. Um, it'd be nice, particularly when you've got um, genetic studies and things that get split um, on the basis of if something's found north of this place or north of that place or... or Whatever, it would be nice to know where your animals are from exactly, but for the most part, it's that's very, very difficult. Why does it seem like it's easier for Scott to say, well, it's parents we believe were this, and everybody kind of understands, but, like, if I say, well, I believe it's great-grandparents were coastals, like, that's, that's harder for me, apparently, to pass by in U.S. herpticulture. Like, it's not – that's the main question I because usually get. these – we have these we have these ideas of what a coastal carp is. I agree, but the problem is I get the the main question I always get, and I know you get the same thing, Eric, is is this a pure jungle? And rather than get into everything, I just go, yep, like, <laughs> yep, gave up, <laughs> yep, to to the point that I to the point that this person is asking that question. Yes, oh. its parents were jungles. Its grandparents jungles. Jungles, all the way back to what we in the United States perceive as a jungle. Like, I'm not going to get into the whole thing of... That's really what jungle... But at the, fa- but at the, same, it at the same time, though, Owen, yeah. hang on, at the same time, though, from what you're saying, if you've, if you've said that, uh, I'm not judging you here, but you're part of the fucking problem. I know. you said that. Because you've said... Because you, that, that person is going to go to the next reptile show in three years' time and go... Yeah, fucking Owen McIntyre told me these things were pure jungles when I bought them. Damn right. Well, it's – but to the point of that – Right. And so right. he's going to he's, – they're going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, okay, well, they're squash line and they're, they're pure. So, great. Right. You know, but that, that's, 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 that's the all they're asking about is – they don't care that we don't know in the 1970s whether these things came in in a bag that said jungle on it. They just want to know if I put my jungle to – a coastal or an IJ or a granite or whatever that most of the so people you, I'm talking like you. As yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. They clearly don't know who they're talking to. But yeah, that's that's what most of the people but are asking. You, right, but at the same time, though, yeah. do you want to know that? If uh, if it's important if, to me, do you want to know like, that? If someone's if sorry, if, if if you are asking that same question, you put yourself in the position of the seller. Would you like to be told? Yeah, I look. For, I bought it as a jungle. I think it's a jungle. I think it's only being bred to, to jungles. Or do you want somebody to say, yeah, no, it's a jungle? Well, well let me let me quick preface that I'm talking I know about. what I would prefer. I want someone telling me the truth. Oh, I'm prefacing right. that my jungles have, like, my jungles actually have lineage that goes back, like, 10 years of jungles and all that fun stuff. But nothing that I'm not talking about just straight up grabbing a carpet off a table and calling it a jungle and breeding it and then telling somebody that it's a jungle. Um, like I'm just, you're talking about undocumented animals. I'm right? not talking about, undo- no, I'm not even talking oh. about undocumented animals. I'm talking oh. about my straight up like documented jungle. animals. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not going to get into the whole thing of that. 
well, we don't know back in the 70s. Yeah, but, even, like, but, 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 hang, but hang on a second. You're saying you've got documented animals. I How are they documented? Exactly. They're documented the same crappy way that everybody else's jungles are documented. Um, far enough back to a certain point and then question marks. Unless you've got a certain line. Ah, so 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 but that's no, that's my point, right? That's what it comes back to. Is it still comes back to a question mark? It does. Right. Everybody's does. To You're a certain the only right. ones that and don't so, poplin carpets. Yeah. For the win. Exactly. So <laughs> but that's that's the Which answer. just happen that... to be the same species as fucking diamonds anyway. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> True story. Got a point. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I suppose I'm playing devil's advocate and, and you and you're getting upset and I'm not I'm not, upset. I'm not meaning to, to stir you up. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the the misnomer that these things are all this or all that, we've placed labels as a, as a hobby on, or industry, whatever you want to call it. We've placed labels on on what an animal is, and mm. it's not necessarily the case. Um, and I, I suppose we should be a little bit more open to, to, to listening to other people and be and not necessarily be ashamed of saying, oh, yeah, I think it's an animal from this location or I think it's a, an animal that, that shows it shows like it, it, it looks like it's part of that, that Rockhampton lineage in, in inverted commas or, or whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? So uh, not necessarily say to somebody that's definitely a Rockhampton animal, may not be a Rockhampton, but it's of what we call the Rockhampton lineage in, in the U.S., and it's and it's only been bred to other Rockhamptons as well, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I, integrity I and honesty in in the reptile industry is is, is unfortunately it, it it's not all where it probably should be. Um, but you find that with all fucking animal industries, and the, and the issue is is that you you can only be as authentic as the people that you buy from. And if somebody bullshits you and you don't know about it, um, then invariably you end up passing on that rubbish to other people as well. And that's, that's a shame. It's not your fault, but it's a shame. It's, it's kind of like it's, it's condos fall into this basket. And it's the same type of thing. And it's sort of like what we said earlier, where it's like a certain line of an, like, oh, and you take M pens, right? They have yeah. a specific look, Lloyd Lemke, coastal carpets, you know, whatever. So in our mind, right, to us, to me, to you, you could pick that out out of anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you saw that, we would automatically say, if, if you saw somebody come and try to sell uh, an M pen line coastal carpet, and it didn't have that look, and I don't know how to explain it. and that's what I was sort of saying earlier with diamond pythons, being able to pick it out. I don't know what it is, and I don't know. I just know that when I look at it, that this has this, this look and this has this look. But I don't necessarily think that that means that that that. I think I, oh, I'm going to drop a big bomb here in the diamond python world. I think that all those diamond pythons came in together, and they, they probably did separate zoos. So I probably. think they're all from the same. They're all related. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's like here we got a whole bunch of diamonds. This is one's going to Riverbank Zoo. This one's going to San Diego Zoo, and this one's going to uh, 
Tom Crutchfield, and we're going to call it a day. It, make, it <laughs> makes mean? more sense that way that they would all come in at one time right. or it, within one season from the same certain places as opposed to like, well, next year, Riverbank Zoo, you'll get yours. It's like, no, that's right. right. Yeah. It's like the Ruffies when they said now, remember when there was that uh, big thing where there was, oh my there was a, God, new, it was a, a new, new bloodline? A new bloodline. I'm like, like bull, what? bullshit. <laughs> there, were, there were only, yeah, nah, it's, unless you went out and grabbed some from, yeah, no, whatever. All the Ruffies, all the Ruffies in Katsuria from False Nights. Yeah, exactly. So saying that there's a new bloodline is bullshit. They only collected five. There was two. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was only five they collected, and it was two males and three females. Yeah, yeah. small group. Right, and they, I don't think they've gotten permission you to know, go out and um, get more. No, well, there's only one place that there's. So you can get there's a. I think they're on the. I think they're on the on the takers list in WA, but there's only you can only take from private land, and you've got to get land landholders' permission to to take from those land. And there's only one place that I'm aware of that you can get rough-scale pythons uh, from, and it's one of the islands actually off the off the north coast um, that that have roughies on it. And that I think is the only place that you can potentially collect them. But I don't think anyone's done it because it's you know, it's a hell of a lot of money for a person to go and collect rough-scale pythons or animals. You know with you know, less than less than 150 dollars here in Australia. It'll, you'll, you'll blow a hell of a lot of money to to get to that location to go and get fucking rust off of them. It'd be like it'd be like spending five grand to go find a corn snake. It's like okay, yeah, Jesus Christ, 150 bucks. I don't even that great. that's that's disgusting. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. I would be I would be balling in uh, uh, rough scale. Well, you can't you can't move, move to Australia. No, you can't move to Australia. Oh, cool. you'll, have, you'll have 200 of them, and I'll just be mad. I yeah. just bought a 50 lot of them. <laughs> You're they're like giving them away. You're like, oh yeah, no, nope. Oh man, you can't give them away. See, I know people that couldn't give them away. Really, hundred uh, percent. What did they lose their luster? What happened? What, of course they did. There? Everybody got them, and then there was fucking. Everyone got them. Yeah. Got them in London and they, and they, actually, time time wise, huh? Yeah. How much are Ruffy's going for over here? <laughs> no, that's not. One fifty. Would you get one fifty for a hatchling, you reckon? Um, Two hundred for a fucking animal. Two hundred. Well, I think Damn. we. I think we just got. We got rid of. Uh, well, we have got rid of a pair of Ruffies, and that old pair of Ruffies. I think we. What are you telling? Yeah, two hundred bucks for an Wow. Damn. Well, oh. I'd have a lot more. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, oh. It's almost like the ice two hundred dollars. worth more. Two hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rough scales. Yeah. You know. You know what? You know what I've, I've said to people with rough scales pythons. Mm. You know what they are? They're the the ultimate beginner snake. <laughs> they don't get too big. They don't get burnt. They don't get too. They're not too small. Um, it's NPR. <laughs> um, they, they don't get too big. They don't get too small. Um, they generally are pretty quiet. They've got some pretty cool features about how they um, about how they change colour at night and they gape and they do all this this funky stuff. Um, 
but they, they handle really well as well. They, it's, it's pretty quiet sort of snakes to keep. Um, certainly the ones that we, we have are. And, you know, you'd imagine that as a, you want to keep the first python, get yourself a rough scale python. Hmm. They, they're that easy to keep. So, you know, shit, you can even get them on. Oh, there it is. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Move over, King Snake. Corn Snake. We got roughies. <laughs> uh, eventually. eventually. Oh, look, you, you've kept them. You both have kept them, yeah? Uh, Eric has not had them yet. Eric, have you kept them? No, I have not. Nope. Not yet. Okay, so I'll ask you a question then, Owen. Do you find them hard to keep? <laughs> I mean, if you set them up right, they're fine. I mean, it's just one of those things of that, you they're know. They're fucking bulletproof. Yeah. I mean, they're like a carpet python. If you do it correctly, there are no problems. If you do it incorrectly, there could be some problems. So, yeah. Um, I've set them up in, when they were babies, they were in bins. They've been in arboreal cages. They've been yeah. in three-foot cages. They, yeah, I, I mean, they, they kind of go through a little bit of an adjustment period, but then they don't give a crap. Um, my male, especially my female has always just been a little weird, but yeah, not a problem. Yeah, She's okay. a bitch is what, is what she is. Yeah. She's a picky feeding bitch, but, uh, yeah, it's, but you still love her. I do, but it's just the way, yeah, but, whatever they have their own personality or whatever. Okay. So, so a slight, yeah. so you, most people regard a children's python or a, a spotted python or a Stinson's python as being a, a good beginner python for a, for a child, right? Okay. Um, getting fucking baby anteriza to eat or <laughs> at times, you know, yep. and they are they're pretty fragile things. They're not, they're not the easiest easiest animals to um, to keep necessarily, particularly for somebody who's who's new to keeping keeping snakes. Um, if you get one that's that's well and truly feeding and all the rest of it, they're pretty bulletproof. Mm. But I would say the same thing about a rough scale python. Once you've got a rough scale python that's eating eating properly, the animal's fine. You, you're not going to have any issues with it at all. And as long as you, the temperature that you're trying to keep them at or the humidity that you try to keep them at isn't isn't a weird temperature. It's not really hot. It's not really cold. It's the humidity is pretty easy. It's not a not a high humidity species or a low humidity species. So, you know, as as snakes go, they're they're pretty easy to keep. You know, wombers are the same thing. Um, they're another animal that's relatively easy to keep. I would suggest though that wombers are probably a little bit harder to breed because the eggs the eggs yeah. need to be kept a bit drier than than most python eggs. Um, now, a lot of these animals, when you figure out how to keep them properly, just because they've got a really high price tag, doesn't necessarily equate to them being hard animals to keep. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the rarity of really is, you know, rough scales are just that. Mm. Mm. Probably not. You, I, I guess it's probably a different perspective for us because, you know, that was a snake that we could only dream about, you know, even just seeing, let alone the thought of keeping, you know. Yeah. Now, well, there they are. <laughs> I've been a subscriber to a. I've been a subscriber to a channel called Herpetofauna since I was ten years old, mm-hmm. and uh, Herpetofauna is a fantastic journal here in Australia. Um, the Australian Society, Australian Herpetological Society, and in well, the second or third issue of that that I got, it comes out once every six months. Um, there was a an article on the rediscovery of the rough scale python in 
that. And it's got a photo of the third specimen ever found uh, that was found by John Weigel and Trent Russell, and there's a photo on the cover of this Roscoe pipe. And I remember looking at it, staring at it, going, how cool is this, you know, a new pipe and la da 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 And then, you know, through the herp industry here in Australia, there was, you know, John gave talks about the rediscovery of the, the animal and then bringing it into captivity. And I remember going to the Australian Reptile Park in the in the early 90s and seeing, you know, the Ruskull pythons that they, they put on display for the very first time. And I was like, oh, as a kid, on my eyes are hanging out. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, you know, one day I might be able to keep Ruskull pythons. And now, you know, 20 years down the line, um, well, 25 years down the line, I'm now looking at, you know, yeah, we'll keep Roscoe Pythons. Yeah, hey, they'd be a good beginner snake for people. So, <laughs> so things can change. Um, right, yeah. Right. Um, it, it's it's like OPs. Um, I said to my wife, oh, we should get Owen Pellies. And she's like, nah, they're way too expensive. And probably 14, 12, 14 months ago, I we got an opportunity to come look at some, some live ones in the flesh. And I'd seen them before and I'd played with them before and, and she had it and now she's like, Oh no, I understand what you why you what you really like. <laughs> yeah, do, do that. Something you about do them. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, they're they're cool. Until you until you see them in the flesh, there's something about them that's just that little bit different. Um oh amazing animals. Mm. Um but like everybody we've got mortgages and bills and stuff like that and you know I'd like to drop the sort of money that that, that, that they they are on them um uh there's a a hell of a lot of convincing that I need to do trying to get those on um you know but yeah you know down the track at some point in time I think invariably that will be one species that we end up keeping at some point in time um but yeah, it's unfortunately financially at the moment, but it's, it's not feasible. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a. I'll have to settle of... trying to go herping for them and try and find the bloody things again. Just, yeah, but that's going to make it worse. I keep getting skunked on them, but. You know, you find them, it's going to no, make it worse. Yeah, it's but. Want you know, it. Yeah. No, it won't. It won't. No. I, I, I'd, I'd rather see them in the wild and keep them in captivity. You know, if I had the choice, if I, if I had the choice, I could either keep them in captivity or I could see them in the wild. To see one in the wild once, I'd rather see it in the wild. Yeah, but you're going to see it in the wild, and there's then you're nothing like there's nothing I mean, like seeing him in the wild. That's that's you know, where we're at. We will, I've oh. seen it, and now I want it. Like that, me and yeah, me, me and Rob were talking the other day about um, you know, it seems like there was this like uh, spike in people finding an Owen Pelly python, and um, he was at, he asked me the question basically. He's like, hey, you know, would you have rather found it on the road? Or found it like we found it, and I said to be honest with or you, we found know, it. we didn't get to hands on or see it up close or whatever. I kind of like the fact that we saw it doing what it does, mm-hmm. meaning that it's coming out of the cave. I mean, we saw it coming out of the cave, going into the tree, trying to feed on bats. Which to me, that's like yeah. you're watching a live version of planet Earth right in front of you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. you know, to me, I would much rather see that than a snake going across the road. Um, you know. So, yeah, well, there's probably. I reckon I saw on social media, I reckon I saw photos of eight or nine individuals. Jeez. That were seen by people, were different people. And, and like, it, still the best photos of any of the ones I saw was ones that um, a bird group found uh, yes, in the morning those. and it was actually eating a bird. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes, we saw know, those when we were there. Yeah, we, we saw those. We're you like, know? what the hell? Yeah. God. You know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a number of have been found, I suppose. Um, and and that's that's great. It's, 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 it's an awesome thing. Um, it just never happened to be around when I'm up there, unfortunately. I reckon they're like my unicorn snake. Um, and I've got a unicorn lizard as well. My my unicorn lizard, as I like to call it, is it. You guys have all got unicorns here. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? When I'm yeah, 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 the, the uh, one you're looking for, yeah. 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 No, no, it's the one that it's the one that you should be able to find that you've never and, found it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So for me, my unicorn animal is a thorny devil. Really, really. I've never seen a lot. I've never seen a live thorny devil. I've found seventeen dead ones now. It's it's bad because we you know the number of how many dead ones you found, like you you've memorized that. Yeah, yeah seventeen. Yeah. So okay. Wow. Seventeen. Seventeen Damn. dead ones. And it's funny, you know, like I've played with live ones before. Like the, the um, I, I know people have kept them and stuff like that, and I've photographed them and played with them and stuff like that. Just never, never got a, yeah. never found a live one. You know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the fucking things don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fake. They're all fake. Yeah, as I said, unicorn. <laughs> unicorn, yeah. yeah. Speaking of lizards, why don't you tell us, because yeah. we're almost at the time, tell us about your uh, your book that uh, you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Ty and I, um, we did one book together and we thought, hey, why not? We're still married. Let's let's give it a crack again. And, <laughs> and uh, so we... <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was good. It was great working, great working with her on it uh, together. Um, so, yeah, so we did the snake book, uh, which is available from our website if anyone wants to buy it from us and they want, they want a signature in it, we can sign it, send it out. Um, but, yeah, we... We got asked whether or not we'd be interested in doing a trial on lizards, and we said, "Yeah, for sure." So now we're working on the lizard book. So um, the lizard book is a similar format. Obviously, it's just by the same publishers. The difference is that we can't have every single species of, of Australian lizard uh, in it because we're limited to, to 280 species with the, the page count and the way that the, the book works. Uh, so. As I like to say, it's like the greatest hits. You know, it's um, so we've we've picked all of the um, some of the the prettiest animals out there, some of the rarest animals out there, um, a lot of animals that are in captivity, and and we're working through the species accounts, and it'll be out at some point in time next year. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I love the snake book. Uh, so, um, if anything like that. Oh, good. Good. Well. Yeah, well, the, the snake book's out of date now. We've we've had a species of sea snake described, a, um, a species of a leopard described, a species of blind snake described, and a um, uh, an addition additional species of leopard has turned up in Australia as well. So we had a one of the death adders that was found in New Guinea has been found on one of the the Torres Strait Islands. So at some point in time. Uh, we'll end up doing a revised edition and we'll incorporate those things in there and to put a whole heap of new photos in and, and change stuff up again and um, <laughs> all the rest of it. So, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, right, and this is just, I suppose this is our opinion, I mean, we both have a a pretty substantial collection of Republics, I suppose, and, you know, we we purchase Republics like like everybody, and and one of the things that we like is when we we pick up a subsequent edition of a book or whatever, if someone's just changed, like, one or two things in it, you almost feel cheated. Yeah. You know, if, as, yeah. a, as a person who buys the book, you know what I mean? So uh-huh. at least if you change up the photos and change the book around a little bit where you can and, and update the information and all that sort of stuff, it's not it's not so bad of a slog to, to purchase second edition, you know what I mean, because it's got different stuff in it. So, um, you know, we, we try to try to do things like that. But <clears throat> I, I suppose... Um, there's always there's always new books happening. There's always new reptile books coming. I was talking to, to Steve Wilson not too long ago, and the, the sixth edition of the, the Field Guide to the Reptiles of Australia is, is well and truly um, underway. Uh, when it's going to be out, I'm quite sure, but that's that's still still being worked on, and you know that'll be that'll be out sooner rather than later. And you know I've got a, a spreadsheet of of all of the reptiles and amphibians of Australia on it, and you know, you can sort of go back through and look at it, and you know, this year alone, there's there's been um, almost forty species of, of reptile described here in Australia. Jesus, Holy shit, insane. Is that just? Uh, yeah. How, how does that even? How does that even happen? Like, how does that even happen? Yeah. Fucking geckos. <laughs> Fucking geckos. All right, all right. Now we don't yeah. care anymore. So it's um... geckos. Geckos. Oh, okay. Jesus. That many. Still, yeah. that's, wow. a, that's a lot. That's great, yeah. though. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so there's so like much more to be described here as well. As soon as you finish the book, you have to go back. Go back and, and redo it? God edition. damn it. <laughs> it's just like a constant. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not... I've already got, so I've got a, a field, uh, I've got, it's called the field copy, so it's a, the Snakes of Australia book. And so in the front of it, it says field copy, and then I've got written on it, um, you know, in my notes in the front, it says page four, page 36, page 17. These are either errors that I've found, or now I've got plus Acanthophis labus, Duran Ryland, Anilius Vigurea. Uh, Ellis 2019, Kimberley's, blah, 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 blah. So I've already started writing in a copy of the book that <laughs> as to where where things have got to go and what's going to change and, and all the rest of it. And so, oh, my God. Um, wow. So it's the only – I mean, so there was a paper that came out that, that moved the hooded snakes around and sunk a genus, so they're all going to have to change and, and – they're oh, fucking headaches. This taxonomic headache. Um, so, so yeah, the the, the carpet, the pythons are a fairly stable in Sydney compared to to some of the geckos and stuff like that. We've had uh, we geckos have changed since I've been writing the the lizard book. Um, we've had I've had to rewrite three species accounts so far. Oh God. So, so it's a species account already written, already set in stone to speak the Phoenix distribution map. Uh, so we can't do a map, but we've got to have a description of the distribution in there. And so distribution information, the habitat information, 
the, the morphometrics of the, of the species. That's all written. It's all done. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to elevate Nifurus willeri to a full species and think this is going to be the separate taxon. Well, okay, now I need to say that willeri is restricted to WA and it's no longer in the fucking Pilbara. That's like, oh, right, okay, fine, fix. Back, yeah. back to work, yeah. No, Jesus. Well, you know, you think you've got it done, and then no, it's not finished together. This thing again, so um, it's not so bad. We're only doing like one section at a time. I feel bad, but Steve, Steve's own book as you know, Stephen Jerry's reptiles of Australia. There's lots of changes. And there's lots of stuff, and the, and the thing is too, there's lots coming as well. You you do these sorts of things, you sort of start to hear about stuff that is coming out or will be coming in, in the future, and so you know stuff, but you can't think about it yet, right? And then you sit there and go, well, I really hope that that doesn't come out between now and when the book is actually been. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I have to redo this. Yeah. Okay. You're hoping that that person, you know, um, as uh, they could be. Yeah. Oh well, uh, I suppose when we did the snake book, we were uh, the Somalia description um, had been published, but there was sort of some conjecture over whether the name was available or not, and then I listened to a couple of people about it about whether or not the name was available, and they were coming back and checking some references and a few other bits and pieces to make sure that everything was. <laughs> Was, was spot on and right. we we had them up until well the first pass we had them still sitting in, in Marilia and hadn't used Somalia yet and then once we got that last bit of information it was like no okay no definitely got to be in Somalia shit okay now I've got to go back to the publisher and we've got to move the Amethystina and Alan Paliensis accounts into Somalia and now change the position on the pages and the, the graphic artist and then gets this shit because they, they're having to redo stuff because they're like, well, why can't it just stay where it is? No, because it'll be out of order. It's, it's can't, wrong. It's yeah. going to move. It's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong. Now fix so, it. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it's wrong. Now fix it. Otherwise, we're all going to look like idiots. Um, <laughs> no. That's <laughs> nuts. I, I mean, uh, and that's it's got to be so yeah, frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you've basically got to draw a line in the sand and go, right, this is the this is D-Day and that's it. It is what it is. We, we can't make any more changes after after the act. Um, yeah. What if, what if you send it everything? The, you can do it and then just... That's it. I mean, like, you finalize the book, you send it to the publishers and then a paper comes out. It's like, crap. Like, it's too far gone at that point. That's when you wait from volume yep. two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's nothing you can do. You just sit yeah. and just go. Yeah. So you just you sort of smile and go, oh, well, it is what it is. Hopefully that, um, hopefully the, the 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 change is accepted and and you can you can pick one up on volume two. We at some point in time would like to or do a, a book. Uh, uh, well, I wrote it. I wrote it for well, 10, 12 years ago now on, on activity. You know, that's, that's 
one of our things that we'd like to, to completely redo and revise and update uh, our venomous, uh, captive venomous management book that we did. So, you know, that's that's something on the, on the list eventually to get to and, and try and do it. But that's going to be such a complete rework from a, a taxonomic point of view. But then also, too, you know, think of all the changes in, in reptile husbandry in the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. That's a good book, too. I like that. You book. know, so... That one you did on the... Yeah. Well, say some. You can mortgage your house. You can mortgage your house against it these days. Buddy, selling for a ridiculous amount of money. You can get it. So. Um, yeah, you're fine now. No, you want so you want to fund your trip to Australia, mate. That's that's a, that's the way to do it. <laughs> All he's got to do is sell the complete boa constrictor and that, and he'll be set. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. You know, look. We've, well, it depends on the book, doesn't it? Like some books, yeah. uh, I mean, sometimes they've got such small print runs, but then if you're working on that group of animals, you need that book, then, hey, it, it is what it is. It's, this mm-hmm. is what the price is. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, there's a book called Asian Pit Fighters, which is like this A4 book, and apparently that sells for like 600 bucks. You know, if you can get your hands on it. And... It's a it's a nice book, um, but it was only there was only like five hundred of them printed, um, and so because it had so many, it wasn't printed that many. It only had so many so few printing. Some people collect books; they collect books like people collect snakes, you know. So you don't have to feed your books at least, I suppose. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, at the same time, though, I mean, it's 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 nothing to spend. A hundred, hundred and fifty dollars on a good reptile book, um, mm. and you know there's there's some rippers out there, and and because reptile publishing is is a relatively um, small field, uh, they don't tend to print huge print runs of them as well. So you tend up having a fairly low low count um, of books out there. So you know that's you know it is what it is. Um, yeah. But um, I, I encourage people to try and get a hold of that um, action plan for snakes and lizards into 2017 for Australia, referring to Australian reptiles. It's a, it's a pretty incredible book. Um, yeah. And it's going to be one of those ones that people are going to refer to down the track. Did you Have you have you actually got it yet? Has it turned up? Yeah. Yeah, it came the other day. You've got it? Yeah. What do you think of it? It's, I think it's awesome. I didn't really dive into it, but I kind of like, you know, I... I because I've been busy, but uh, I got this weekend. I'm gonna like sit down and start uh, going through it. But uh, I kind of flipped through it and look. There's some, it there's, some there's some really interesting things in it. But there's a complete lack of photos in it, so that'll be that'll upset yeah. people mm. if they if they need to have they need to have pictures there. But um, well, I suppose that it depends on, on what people are what people are after in a reptile book. If you want to see lots of pretty pictures, there's books out there for that. But if you want uh, good solid information. There's other books out there for that as well. So you sort of got to choose what you what you want. You know these these sort of guidebooks that we've been doing. These are the there used to be a, 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 a series that came out in the early late seventies, early eighties uh, by a publisher called Angus and Robertson that did um, Snakes of Australia by Graham Gow, Lizards of Australia by Steve Swanson, and Turtles of Australia by um, John Cairn. And they were published, and they were published 
to for people that yeah, you know, we scouts or or the farmer down the road or whatever that had they wanted to have a book so they knew what snakes were in their area. So mm-hmm. the the snake book and the lizard book that and the frog book that we've done, they're to hit that same sort of market. We're not really necessarily doing those particular books for for herpetologists or even herpetologists. These are the books that are there for the for the generalist person. And so we tried to determine a fairly uh, fairly basic um, and away from using as many people as possible and as a result to try and keep the cost down as well but we wanted to make sure there was a photo of every species in there and all that sort of stuff so, um, so at the time of publication there's a photo of every species in the snake book you know when we do the, the revised edition um, I'll be talking to the people that, that describe those new species and, and hitting them up for a photo if I haven't got photos of them already. So um, so that'll be the, the plan to, to maintain that all the way through. And, you know, hopefully that's the, the snake book that other snakey grow up with and all the rest of them is a way of giving back to the community in a, um, in a, in a nice permanent basis. You know, in a lot of ways, like, like podcasts and stuff like that, this these podcasts can be something that can be archived for people to listen to going forward and that's something that the reptile community, it can be thoughts that, that happened in the reptile community at that particular time or it can be something that other reptile people can refer to back in five in years' time, you know? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a, I have a, uh, let's see if you were going to recommend this book before I would go and get it. Australia's Dangerous Snakes, Identification, Biology, and Envenoming. Are you good? Envenomation by, by Peter Merchant. That one? Yes. Uh-huh. Got a, a black book with a typhoon on the cover. Yeah, yeah, that's no, good. I, I assisted not a peer reviews on one of the chapters of it. It's a, it's a really good book. But the Merchant Resmussen and Weinstein, it's a, it's a really good book. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's quite a technical book. It's not a, it's not a just pick it up and just read it at your leisure type book. It's a, it's a bit more technical, but, um, but yeah, no, a very good book. Okay. Sorry, already. Hmm. Cool. Awesome. Always like good uh, Australian books, cool. that's for sure. So, well, um, yeah, I guess we did it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Scott, for coming and hanging out with us again. Um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Happy to. Yeah. Uh, Happy to. Should so throw out, <laughs> throw out your uh, your your uh, website, or uh, if people want to get in touch with you, or yeah, so. Kind of stuff. so thank you. On Facebook, or my, or my, my drag my feet on it. Just depends on on how busy I am at the time. Um, you can always get us through the website www.wildlifedemonstrations.com, um, and there's a shop on there where you can purchase our books too. So if you want to buy a book and want it signed by the authors, then we're more than happy to sign it for you. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we've also got the Nature for You Facebook page as well. Jump on that. That's that's both me and Ty that do the Facebook page and the website. Well, actually, when I say that, that's not really the case. Ty does the Facebook page and Ty does the website. It's just like Ty looks after the animals, not really me. <laughs> I just get to take some of the credit for it. So, um, 
so yeah, so I mean, as, as I've said on numerous occasions before, Ty is really the one that that makes us tick, so to speak. She's the one that pulls me into line when I when I start going off on tangents, and and you know, she's she sort of keeps a hell of a lot of the animals herself. So, um, so yeah, but um, and and you know. She wrote the snake book with me, and she's she's done more. To truth be told, she's done more on the bloody lizard book than I have at this point in time. So I really should be stop talking on bloody podcasts and um, and, and yeah. stop dragging my feet on that first. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Get so, but yeah, get, get us on Facebook or give us a call or whatever, and happy to talk snakes. It's no problem. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, as always, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, let us know when the book comes out. We'll push, yeah, man. It, uh, we'll push it out there for you. So, hundred percent sounds good. All right, thanks, guys. Right. Talk soon. All right, thanks, All Scott. Right, See ya. Thanks. Bye. All right, Owen. Uh, let's see. For cool. Uh... Yeah, this is weird, man. It's throwing me off. This is a different day. Come on. <laughs> All right. Just... All right. So for us, uh, MorelliPythonRadio.net, uh, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, info at MorelliPythonRadio, you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, as far as myself, EBMorelia.com, if you want to get in touch with me, Eric at EBMorelia.com uh, is the way to do it. Um, yeah. So uh, I should have some cool stuff hatching out uh, pretty soon. I'm actually going to sell. So bullshit, bullshit. No, nah, this is all true. of it is bullshit. Um, Don't forget, oh, when you get yeah. to pick the first red jag, I'll be right down. Well, now you know jag. you've been talking so much about getting rid of all your jags. I'm just gonna wait. You're gonna give me V. You know, just give them. That might happen. Oh that my god. <laughs> yeah, that might happen. <laughs> this I was not prepared for. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Now I don't know what to do. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's, I've stumped you. Uh, it's, I'm gone now. It's over. I, damn. <laughs> so it's, uh, um, but now it's like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I'm down there because I also want one of those red females too. It, it We're getting into it. I mean, uh, my oh, junk. They're going to hatch probably a couple days. Yeah, dude. I'm waiting on the um, uh, caramel exanic stuff. I got th- two eggs from that. That entire clutch bombed so hard. I have two eggs out of 12 still hanging out there. And every day I'm like, hatch, and nothing happens. I'm like, God mm. damn it. So like, just Doesn't that suck? Just <laughs> come out. And it's like the jungles were out. Like they started pipping like day 53. What? Uh-huh. Like this is day 56. Just get out of the damn egg. Like, I mean, wow. I've never had a coastal go to 60. I've never had a coastal go to 60. No. These get well, I I say I've never had a coast Wait, to go to sea. Hold on. Shut up. Is, right. <laughs> is the incubator plugged in? Shut up. Sure. <laughs> I checked. It's plugged in. All right. All right. Okay. Just checking. And man. I want to say, checking. yes, I've never had a coastal clutch go to 60 when the incubator is plugged in. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Other um, points. Yes, we've gone beyond 60, but we found out there were issues there. Oh, uh, how long did that take again? I don't really. I don't. I want to say it was like eighty days. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. It was bad. Okay, because so, you got to remember. I noticed the incubator was unplugged on day sixty, and I plugged it back in, <laughs> and then I think it went because I'm like, why the hell have these things hatched? So wow. Yeah. All right. I didn't say. 
I have never said I am a smart yeah, but, man. <laughs> so, you know, but what's cool about that, though, is the fact that that happened. And science. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't purposely to... <laughs> do that. You know what I mean? You wouldn't purposely do it. Oh, like, hell I'm no. Gonna, I'm going to unplug the incubator this season. See what the happened? fact that they hatched oh. is just nuts. And got, Nobody would have known that information. And you got to think about it this way. That clutch that was in the incubator, that was... That was uh, the last clutch of the pure Hycon mixed with the Red Jack. So if that clutch had bombed, there would be no connection to pure Hycon. Oh, wow. Like, because that was the 50% Hycon clutch. So They were determined to live, man. Goddamn right. <laughs> no, it's... Jesus Christ. We're going to live beyond beyond all. We're going to live despite how bad these humans <laughs> screw this up. We're going to make it. This asshole's trying to kill us again. So, yeah. Uh, right, anyway. Okay. So yeah. ghosts, ghosts. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. It, it, listen, it, out of 12 eggs, I'm like, yeah, I have a good, good shot of getting a ghost jag. Two eggs. I'm like, they're going to be normal males. Like, it's going to, that's how this is going to work. Probably. But <laughs> who knows? What if you get two ghost jags? You'd be like, and I'll be, happy, I'll be a happy person. <laughs> it's just like how, you know, I keep thinking with the, the, with, with the roughy eggs, I'm like, just two of them have to make it. Because if two of them make it, I can give one to Eric. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Because, like, I hate that he's – and he's going to have to fight for that one because if only two yeah, make like, it, he's going to have to fight dude. hard. It's, if they're both girls, you. he might lose. Like, it's <laughs> – if they're two males, sweet, I can give one to Eric. Like, it's – Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, – How many of them do you have? Five? I had, five, right? I, uh, I had five. One, do, one bombed out. Um, one bombed out. Yeah. And I got four. Yep, I got four. And then one – one of the four ain't looking so hot, so He's looking iffy. Okay. Yep, but I got three that are rocking and rolling, so we'll see. When did when did they hatch out? June fourteenth. June fourteenth. Okay, so it's coming up. What are they? A typical fifty-five day. I don't like know. <laughs> I've never. <laughs> oh, okay. I've never hatched them before, so okay. um, I would assume everything because i did everything normal python temperatures normal this normal that everything like that gotcha. so, yeah oh, yeah it's probably like 50, 50 I, yeah whatever like so yeah. all right if they hash before the ghosts i quit so it's like it just, <laughs> it's, just like... it's it, it's one of the uh, there are several moments in a year where something happens in my snake room and i go clearly i have no idea what's going on in here and <laughs> and this would be one of those moments where they would hatch before them i'd be like clearly I have no clue what's going on in here. So, yeah. Mm. We'll see. There. <laughs> but, dude, like, it's weird because I'm like, all right, the season's settling down. It's time to start just kind of relaxing. I have a bread lie that might lay. I'm like, oh, no, wait. I have a coastal that might lay. I have a rhino rat snake that might lay. I have my pine snake, my king snakes, my corn snakes. They're all huge. And I'm like, Oh shit! No. <laughs> so you ain't gonna be done until like October when we start breeding again. No, it just never stops. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this spring shit, man. This diamond python stuff is through me. Pissing me off. Yeah, well, you got to think about it. Is that you can see? I've seen locks of spring breeders in January when I paired them up, but then I, then they don't lay eggs till July. But yeah, you didn't see any yeah. locks, so it's. Sometimes the locks you see in the beginning are bullshit. So, yeah. 
I was wondering if I put them together too soon. I was wondering if I t pulled them apart too soon. I put them back together again, and um, yeah, I didn't see no action. So I'm like, all right, well, this is weird. Either she's like, did, did you feed them just, and put them back well, together? Well, this is this is sort of yeah. I sort of I said okay. So if I yeah. was a diamond python in the wild and it's springtime, mm -hmm. what would I be doing? Oh, I'd be eating. eating. All right, let me try to feed them. <laughs> right. So I fed her. I didn't want to feed her too much. So right. I fed her uh, a medium rat. The the first meal I offered her, mm -hmm. she took it right away. You know, I didn't notice anything. So I'm like, okay, let me ride this out. I ride it out about two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. I gave her a large rat. Now all of a sudden, she looks like she's going to explode, and I can't tell if it's the rat or, or if all of a something. Yeah, ovulated. dude, I can't tell, and I'm like, oh man. So I quick put it, and then I was thinking, that's why I asked that question to Scott about the nest box and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe I have to put a nest box in there because you know, with my other carpets, they just lay it right on the right on the thing. So right. I'm just like. All right, let me let me try to put this together and put the nest box in there. Put the nest box in there. She goes into the box. She comes out of the box. Um, and I noticed that they kind of changed their patterns of uh, basking. Now they're doing that thing. You know, what what were you on? Reptile and Chill, I guess it was? Or where you were talking about how you adjusted it? To yeah, I have it. In the afternoon, would yeah. be the hottest, and then it goes it, ramp. It goes, down. yeah. You got, people don't seem to understand is that, when you buy a Herbstat, Herbstat 1, 2, 3, 4, whatever, they have a temperature ramping system where you can tell it how hot you want it to get and how long you want to take it to have it ramp up and go down. And you can set the nighttime drop. Like, dude, normally what I would do is after we're done breeding season, I turn off all the night drops. I've left them on. <laughs> I just increased yeah. the low temp to about 70. Because right. I figure my guy – and. I'm seeing a ton more activity out of my animals. They're all eating fine. They're all doing the normal stuff. I haven't seen any RIs or sicknesses or anything like that. Um, the only thing that I've seen is a shit ton of activity out of my Karibo in the past two weeks. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, but it's just like it makes more sense to me to have it be a cooler time. And to be honest, dude, you go downstairs in my snake room at night – with a flashlight, everybody's moving. Nobody's sitting still. Really? Yeah. I mean, and like I, I told you I was a little concerned about getting the rough scale eating. Um, I found out she will eat. She just she just she doesn't want rats. She wants mice. So I literally called my rat guy and had him fill a bag with with uh, pregnant females. He killed a whole bunch of pregnant female mice. So she's eating mice. The size of a small rat. So I win. You lose. <laughs> Guess who's going to get bigger? So it's right. Yeah, I'm smarter. But it's like, <laughs> it's, um, but it's just like it, 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 it makes more sense to me and it's doing a lot better. And um, yeah, I mean, like, dude, I was uh, getting I'm trying to figure out cages for the Chinese king rats and they don't need heat. They're just fine. They're doing whatever. Same thing with all my other Asians. So I yeah. forgot you had Chinese king rats. Yeah, they're not nice. <laughs> <It's>, no, <laughs> no, they 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 shit on everything and they bite hard. And they're right like up your alley. They're like that chewy kind. So like they'll bite you and then start working at it. And it's like, why? I was just oh. trying to change your water. And oh yeah, and they're psychotic. Um, 
I put those cardboard tubes from like the the roll of butcher paper in there, and uh-huh. they hide in them. <laughs> they just come. Really? They just come flying out. Flying and they, out? Oh yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's not like a python. They move all slow. No, they're fast. Like, I mean, like, and they whip everywhere. Oh yeah, they're fantastic. I love them. And what's really cool is when I got them, they were like tan and pink, and they're now black and gold. Like you saw this insane color change um when they grew up and it's they're wow. so cool and they've That's got cool. kind of like that timor python where the scale is yellow but the rim of the scale is black and it makes it look oh i love, yeah, that. I love that bleeding like yeah. effect that's really cool mm-hmm. so awesome very cool I think we're supposed to be closing the show right now, but yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, anyway, um, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out all the stuff we got going on at Rogue. Um, you can also go to rogue reptiles on Facebook.com and rogue underscore reptiles on Instagram. As far as babies for sale, I have a crap ton of bread lie, het stonewash, and that's pretty much it. I am out of coastals, everything. Um, the baby jungles are going to start doing their feed trials uh, probably in the next couple of days. I've been kind of doing that whole wait a whole month after they're born before you even try crap. So um, we'll see that as well as we got a bunch of eggs in the incubator that are still waiting. Um, I'm sorry, but I do not take wait lists for anything, whether it be coastals or the olive pythons, because I don't know how many are going to hatch. And I don't know when they'll be ready. So I don't take wait lists. You're just going to have to check back later. So, yes. Anyway, uh, that's all we got for everybody tonight. We'll say thank you all for listening. And we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Good night.